Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Oh, my brother, I'm uh, so sorry to interrupt you, but the man's here to introduce himself this week. Oh, okay. Mark Anthony Austin here, aka Boba Fett from Episode 4, A New Hope Special Edition. And you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. Silly boy, I forgot he's a, also a visual effects artist. He's worked on Avengers, Thor, Smurfs, Bolt, and many, many more. These are the Chronicles of Mark Anthony Austin. Welcome, everybody, to the third edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. These are the Chronicles of Mark Anthony Austin. It is I, as always, Mr. Sleekin and Sleek, the bearded Brummy Jamie, and with me, as always, is this handsome devil. Take two, everybody, take two. It's uh, the Scotsman Tom, how are we doing? Jamie's introduction was weird <laughs> to start off with. For some reason, just decided to start blabbering on about Jamie and Tom present this, and good day, everybody, and what the fuck's that all about? We don't, we don't change shit up here. Is that because I nailed it this time? You decided, you know, I'm going to remind him that he fucked up last time so I can still take the piss out of him. Jay, come on. You know, this is, we, we need to do this properly, yeah? <laughs> we, ha- we, have a, we have a structure and a routine here. This is how we do things. Yeah. We don't just go willy-nilly, start saying random other words for no reason whatsoever, and then introducing both of us. We, we've never Sorry, done Sorry, boss. Jesus yeah. Christ. Fucking that. Anyway. I'll get off my horse now. Yeah, all right. You leave that horse in its stable, <laughs> dude. I've got you know. This is how we. This is how we, this is what we do. This is how we play. That's how we play the game. It's how we triple H this shit. I was going to say, it's all about the game and how you play. Yeah. yeah. And it's all if about I remember the rest of the if you can take it. Yeah, there you go. I was like, what's the rest of the words? Fuck, I want to join in. I want to join in. <laughs> I don't know anymore after that. <laughs> I don't know why, right? But I, what I wanted to do was be like. Everybody went because it's stuck in my head. It's driving me insane. <laughs> Why have you got that in your head? Backstreet Boys in my head because I was at work earlier, put the 90s playlist on. And then that's the only song I sort of like heard when I was doing stuff. And then all day, I've been going, everybody. <laughs> but I've not like gone any further than that. Just I'm saying like, everybody. Oh my, God. oh my God. Oh my. Just like tapping myself on the forehead, like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> So it's driving me crazy, dude. But 90s music was just like pinnacle. Nineties into two thousands was just like, oh, every song was a banger. I always find it though, in the nineties when they were popular, I hated them. I was like, sub this boy band music, it's terrible. And now I'm like, this is the greatest music. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because it was uncool to like pop music when we were in our teenage years. So it's like secretly you're like, fuck, I really like this new Britney Spears track. Oh my god. (laughs) God damn take that. I really want you to relight my fire. This is (laughs) shit. (laughs) You're like, fuck, Aqua are smashing it. And then yeah. Has that like, phrase ever been said? I don't think we're so. smashing it. <laughs> God, I know them Scandinavian fuckers, they're absolutely blowing it out of the park. But like, it's funny because you go to school, they're like, oh, God, I love Eminem. And you're like, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, better go yeah. listen to that album with those songs on. <laughs> I really like track five. Yeah, with those words and lyrics and stuff. Just, when we were in school, everyone liked Eminem. Did you listen? Did you listen to any other hip hop? No, I just like Eminem. 
I listened. I actually genuinely bought Dr. Dre uh, 2001. I loved it. That's a great album. Oh, just that was top dollar. Because I was just like, oh, he does lots of for Dre. And I really forgot about Dre, obviously, because I can rap the entire, forgot about, so I forgot about Dre. That's a karaoke tune, isn't it? Um, after at some point, I it think. It will be for, at one point now. Yeah. I'll have to get that done. But yeah, I can rap the entire, so I forgot about Dre. So I love that song so much. And I was like, cool. Um, I listened to the Marshall Mothers album. Um, but then into that, so my, I listened to Skunk and Ancy when I was growing up. Um, I listened to loads of stuff growing up. And then when, it, when like, the end of 99, start of 2000s, Kate, and Linkin Park released Crawling and, like, Limp Biscuit released Take a Look Around, and you're just like, oh. And Papa Richard's Last Resort, and you're just like, what? What's, uh, what's this going? What's going on over here? And that was, like, my transition from, like, I was really into dance music as a kid. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I loved it. My dad brought me up on rock. So I brought up like Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, that sort of thing. But I love dance music. I don't know why. And then I heard What's My Age Game by Blink-182. And then I heard Linkin Park Crawling. And then Papa Roach Last Resort. So I was like, ooh. So when I was back 11, 12, that's where I transitioned into an emo. Amazing. What about you? You would be the goth you like. I always grew up on rock music. Like, I had the odd moment where like, I liked a pop song sort of thing. I think it's more influence from people at school or just because it's funny. Like Who Let the Dogs Out by Baja Men. I was like, that is a tune. I want that cassette single, mum. The cartoons. The cartoons. I had the, the one. Witch Doctor. No, I had the other one. I had um, Duda on cassette single. Oh, my fucking God. I forgot all about that song. <laughs> yeah, everybody sing this song, Duda. Yeah. But I was brought up on it. Like Everyone knows my favourite band's Kiss when stolen mom's vinyls but i was brought up on rock music but like i say i think everyone had that phase of listening to like pop music and whatnot i think i even owned god what are they called oh rewind rewind that was it i couldn't remember who sang it i had that on cd single for some unknown reason Ah, oh, do you know what was absolutely banging is um, we did quizzes at work every morning and one song was uh, what which TV show is the Oxide Neutrino song related to? It was like Casualty. Casualty. And it was like, what the? Stop <laughs> getting shot, 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 shot. for the bum, bum for the reload. What a tune. What an absolute tune. <laughs> yeah, but like garage music then was also phenomenal. We've got on a massive tangent here. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know how what, we got here, but... I don't know what's going on. It's because everybody was stuck in my head, and now here yeah, we are. Um, but yeah, garage music was absolutely massive back then. Like, just... It was just wonderful. Like, yeah. And then Trevor Nelson used to bring him, like, his albums out every year and put garage tunes in every time. Like, this is fucking mint. And then, they, they obviously, that's just died off. Fucking Trevor Nelson. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. There you go. Yeah. See, we love it. Anyway, Jamie. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chronicles Hello. of Podcast, the Chronicles of Mark Anthony Austin. Jamie, how are you? I am very well, my friend. I have had a glorious day. I am loving life. Yeah? Yeah, sure. I'm a good day. I'm having a good day today. How's the wrist? The wrist is fucking horrible, but it's getting there. Good few days off work's helping, but... So for those people that don't know, Jamie, I think, is suffering with tendonitis in his right wrist. Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah. So the squeaky noise you can hear is him fucking about with his cast. So please Sorry. stop fucking I about with his cast. I can hear it, my bad. Yeah. I sit on my hands, so I should know where that hurts. No, don't do that. Like, <laughs> no, fuck that me. Hurts. Um, yeah, tendonitis in my wrist and it sucks ass. I, can, I can't begin to imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm healthy, so, you know. I think it's that. I had this like five years ago. Oddly enough, it, I think it was yesterday or the day before it came up in my Facebook memories. The last time I got one of these was on that day, like three years ago. 
Really? Yeah. Because it's yeah, but it hurts like hell. Like you can feel where the tendon goes over my bone and my wrist, where it's oh. somehow slipped or some shit. But yeah, it's better than it was. So hopefully I'll be all right in a few days. Yeah, just keep looking after yourself and keep like yeah, don't fucking start lifting shit or you know smacking your wife or anything like that. I know. I'd just use my feet for that one. <laughs> no, never do that. We should never do that ever. That was not funny. That was not funny of me. I do apologize. If anyone offended by that, I'd say that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I got a new toy the other day, so it's made me very, very happy. Oh, yeah? I've been playing with my new toy. I got an air fryer. What the I've hell got... is that? What's an air fryer? It's basically like a fat fryer, but it uses air. Okay. Don't ask me how it works. I don't know. I was talking to my mate Matt early, and he's convinced me that there's a tiny mini wizard in there that makes it work. Yeah. Because... Sorry, bear with, bear with, bear with. Let's rewind this. Let's re-e-wind with the crowd placebo selector, right? Let's yes. create David this shit. Yes. Why have you got an air fryer? I've wanted one for ages because I kept seeing videos of people making things in them and I was like, I want one of them. I've got, I love kitchen gadgets. That's, that's why I ended up having an ice cream maker because I loved kitchen gadgets. Jamie, do yeah. we, we need to have a sit-down chat? No, because it means I get to make tasty food. Okay. I made something amazing today using what my air that? fryer. What was that? First off, I made dirty chips. I made my own fries from scratch. And then I put bacon and spring onions and cheese and mushrooms and everything in there. And, oh, was, mm, delicious. And then I got some puff pastry. And I got Nutella in it and chopped bananas. And then I wrapped it up into a little parcel. And then I baked it in my air fryer. And they were, mwah. They were delicious. I'm going to be fat again is what's going to happen with this fucking air fryer. <laughs> I'm going to be fat again. Yeah, it's, it's slightly concerning. But you don't deep fry things. You just put in a bit of fry light, turn it on, job done. It's healthy frying. So it's good. Okay. I'm getting very passionate about my air fryer. No, it's fine. I just <laughs> I wanted to know what happened to you when all of a sudden kitchens became your life. I just I love kitchen gadgets. They're amazing. You're in the wrong job. You should be a chef. I tried that. It's the worst job in the world. I mean, it's fucking horrific. Yeah, it's the worst. I mean, dude, I did it in spoons. You can't even really call them real chefs there. But fuck me, I wanted to cry every professional single microwaver. Time I fucking hated every single second of it. It was just absolute bullshit. Yeah, it's the worst. I know. Oh. Cooking's fun to do at home, but professionally, now nah, I'm good. Yeah, I guess that people, you know, want their food to be delicious, but you know, you can't achieve anything by screaming at people. But they, no, I don't know, and I love Gordon Ramsay. So he's the he's the the king of shouting at people. You know, he does produce some good shows. He does. But other than that, what have I been up to? Um, I've been watching a lot of that program that I can't repeat because you're going to shout at me and unfriend me again. It was in that, it was in that title, wasn't it? You just said it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I alluded to it. I alluded to it. What else have I done? Not a fat lot, to be honest, because we've we've done a we've done an interview. And it was absolutely glorious. Can't wait for people to hear that one. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it's about it, really. I can't even say I've Rihanna'd because I haven't. I did well, a few. Have. I did yeah. a few Rihannas. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> did, a, did a couple of Rihannas. <laughs> did a couple of Rihanna. Not one Rihanna. Both of them. Did a couple of Rihannas. Yes, her and her <laughs> twin sister. Um, <laughs> but they sucked because I couldn't do anything because of the hand. So there you go. But saying that, I said I couldn't do anything. They put me on light duties, and I think I worked harder that day than I do on a normal day. Really? Literally, they'll call me for a job, and before I'd finished a job, they'll call me for the next one. I was knackered. 
That's good. Well, it didn't need. stop working. I was like, <gasps> you'll see me fat again, but I doubt it. <laughs> burn it all off. Working them titties off, yo. Yeah. Give me work. I have air fryer food to burn off. <laughs> what about you? Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Um, was it implied, was it? Was it really? That's the word. See, I couldn't think of the word, so I went with... Was it implied, Jamie? I don't think was it implied. was. It was implied. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired, but, you know, a lot of rehannering, so... Um, and I've been going back to the gym. Ooh. But yeah, which I'm really happy about. Because um, obviously I went back to rugby a few weeks ago. And then I've worked every time since when training's been on, so I've not been able to train because I've been working. So I'm like, fuck's sake. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it again, which has been quite cool, like really nice to get out of the house um, on days off and stuff, because obviously I'm still finding my feet here, as it were. Mm. And so when I'm not working, it's kind of hard to be like, cool, so what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of reanering has been going on, um, a lot of gymming. Uh, other than that, dude, I've been watching One Division for the first time, and yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm on episode five now, um, and I'm trying to finish off Agents of Shield. Um, so, but literally, like, yeah, not a lot's really been going on to be honest with you, my friend. Um, that's literally about it. I can't literally tell you anything else. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, I went oh, out. I went out on Saturday night. Ooh, went out on Saturday night with uh, some people from work. Yeah, that was really nice. Went to Steinbeck and Shaw. Um, and we were there for a couple of hours. That was really nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, that was literally that was literally it, my friend, to be fair. I so, did. I meant to mention, discover a new album this week, which I think everyone has to go listen to. Okay. It's by a band called Punk Rock Factory. I've mentioned okay. them before. They've released an album called Masters of the Universe. And everyone has to go check it out. It's incredible. They've literally done pop punk covers of like the Thundercats theme song, Power Rangers theme song, Animaniacs, Flintstones, Bucky O'Hare, Pokemon. There's absolutely tons on this album. I've been loving it. Okay. It's amazing. So That's I think cool. everyone has to go check it out. So when you were a kid, like TV wise, what was like your first memory of like TV? See if you just brought up 90s TV shows. So. First memory of TVs. Yeah, so mine was like Postman Pat. Thomas I think Thomas, yeah. I was yeah. obsessed with Thomas when I was little. And then I remember it going from like Postman Pat, Thomas Sank Engine to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and the X-Men animated series and Spider-Man animated series and that sort of thing. Spider-Man cartoons back then were fucking amazing. They were, to be fair. Um, I didn't watch much Fox Kids. I was more of a Cartoon Network kid, so it's all like Dexter's so I, Lab and Cow and Chicken and stuff like that. That as well, yeah. So I watched Cartoon Network a lot as well. Uh, but I remember the main things being like Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, which I actually own, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original cartoon series. I've never... I just realised that. So I forgot I had that. I used to watch that again. Um, Power Rangers was the one for me, like... Because I didn't really have many friends growing up, my mom couldn't be like, you're grounded. So her version of you grounded was, you're not watching any Power Rangers. So I was like, no! I remember you saying that on the last, one of the last shows. Oh, uh, broke like, my heart. I bet it did. I bet it fucking did. I fucking cried. So um, I have seen today that apparently Lord Zed's returning. What? Yep. How? I don't know. I haven't read the news article yet. But apparently oh. Lord Zed is returning. 
I tell you what, some of these new newer shows, I keep reading things that are happening, and they actually sound pretty cool. I'm tempted to try and start watching Power Rangers yeah, again. Me too. <laughs> well, they're all on Netflix, dude. So they are. I did start watching them, and then I realized how many bloody episodes there are. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like this is an investment crazy. in time. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I've got a funny story for you though. Ooh, just completely tangent off, just quickly. Working today, and um, I was chatting to my mate Aaron, who I work with. And he was telling me, I can't remember how we got into this topic, um, but I remember saying something about I like doing something a certain way. And he went, I've got a really good mate of mine who likes to taste everything. What? I went, what do you mean? He went, literally what I just said. He likes to taste everything. He went, I'm pretty sure he's licked everything. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, apparently really enjoys tasting things, regardless of what it is. Oh, this could go very wrong no, just very quickly. Very, it was just no, I was like, well, I'm using that tonight. Thank you very much. Again, oh. he let me, uh, let me, like I say, I could say it. So there you go. I don't want my imagination to pick up on this one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, so shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I was thinking that. Oh. Just, just, had, just had a quick moment to myself. Why it's not one not? No. <laughs> well, if you love yourself, um, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> but I don't know. It's weird. Huh? Oh, oh, it makes me feel weird thinking about it. Oh, I've slipped in my jeans. Like, oh, <laughs> You're gonna lick that, your leg. That denim. <laughs> oh, oh, it makes me feel odd. Uh, oh, I don't, oh. I don't like it when people um, use their teeth for for their cutlery. Ah. Uh, no, stop doing it. What do you mean? When what? Sorry. When people have cutlery, metal cutlery. Yeah. Put some on their fork, put in their mouth, and then use their teeth. To, uh, no, oh, no. To no, like no. drag it off the fork. No, 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 no. Stop doing that, please. How is Not... it? You mentioned someone tasting their own shit and you were fine. And then you mentioned someone eating someone off a fork. You're like, uh, no. Uh. It's just because the noise. Oh, <laughs> the noise makes me feel a bit sick. Oh, ah. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I also don't like wooden cutlery. Ah, makes me feel weird. Yeah, they're weird. I don't like. I just don't like using them. They don't you bother know, me. I just don't like using them. They feel you know, like ice cream sticks. When I mean, you have ice cream, yeah. magnums. Ah, no, 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 no. Don't eat it. Don't lick it. It's horrible. All those ridiculous things you used to get from the chippy that were like sort of a fork and sort of a nice lolly oh, stick yeah, like at the same time. I don't know stabby, what that was. Stabby thing. Just Who invented weird, that? Weird little, uh, like, devil horn hooks, but they were really yeah. fucking tiny. <laughs> A bizarre invention. Oh, no. uh, oh, you're making me feel really fucking weird now. I was going to say, should we move on? Should we move yeah, on? Yeah, probably. Should, should, we get, should we have some treatings? Will that make us feel some a bit better? No, apparently, like, I've heard that we don't have a sponsor anymore. Oh, we don't, do we? What's up? This is Keith Tatnus McCleary, a.k.a. Tatnus, a.k.a. Uh, not this guy again. And you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom Stevens and Jamie Westwood. Or at least you better be, or I'll fucking kill you. Come on then, Callum. What you fucking got for us, dude? Uh, is this guy coming to talk to the world with his infinite knowledge again? Uh, you mean previous, is Callum coming to treat us all? Yeah. You're damn right he is previous. Welcome to Callum's Treachings. So, Callum is back treaching us again. But not only 
has he treached? This time, he's actually sent the treachings via yeah. Oyster. Yeah. Callum is officially back with Callum's treachings. So, ladies and gentlemen, what is Callum treaching us this week? It's cereal soup. <laughs> is that all there is? It's cereal soup. Is that all there is to it? No explanation. Nope. That's it. I love that boy. Um, is, it, is it soup? He's kind of right, though. In a way, yeah, because it swims in milk, doesn't it? Yeah. So. <laughs> Just with lots and lots and lots of crispy croutons. Oh. I mean, sort of. I I mean, it's cereal, but... Yeah, but I kind of get where he's soup. coming from. Yeah, because it's... yeah. I, I mean, I love these treaches, but at the same time, I hate them for podcasting because I'm like, I just sit there silently looking into space, thinking about it for way too long. Your dad's there, like, yep, yep, perfect. Fucking, I, love, <laughs> I, I wondered when one. he was going to turn up. I'll have that fucking down the, down the lads with Steve, Dave, Terry, and fucking Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Barry, it's cereal soup, Barry. It's cereal soup, butter. What happened to Oh, the lion got him, did it? Oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is this funeral next week? Okay. Um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm going to say yes, it is. Just a very lumpy soup. Yeah, which is, it's like big veg. Or is it big, big soup? With <laughs> big that big soups, yeah. yeah, big, big soup, big veg. I'm amazed they've never released something like that, a cereal, cereal in a tin. Mate, have you seen? Oh, no. Come on. It'd They'd be disgusting, it. but I'm amazed they've seen, never done it. You've seen English breakfast in a tin. Like, yeah, what is that? It's wrong, isn't it? What is that? Just not right. It's like it's blatantly like horse. Like, <laughs> right. right. it's blatantly horse. Fucking um, mud. Uh, you know, like brick. <laughs> like just random shit in there. Like they're just gone. Yeah, fuck it. I'll go in. Wrench. It tastes the same. We'll put some wrench in there as well. Bit of, bit of fucking wrench, and then kiwi. <laughs> Kiwi? That's the most disgusting part of it for me. Oh, I fucking hate kiwis. <laughs> Not, no, thank you. Sorry to any New Zealanders that might be listening to this other. Um, anyway, anyway, what else is Callum treaching us this week? If animals could talk, I wonder which one would be the rudest. <laughs> um, it's a very good question. Cats are definitely up there. Hyenas, because they laugh all the time. They do. Camels, they spit at you. I'm trying to think now. I'm there. What would be funny? <laughs> What's a funny answer? Butterflies. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I love the idea of being a butterfly. It looks so majestic and beautiful on the ridge. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. Cunt. Wasps have got to be angry. I can imagine wasps saying some angry shit. Do you reckon there's, there's probably an animal somewhere? It's like, you fucking bastard, I'll fucking have you, little wanker. I come on every year, you are, you fucking... Ah, oh, that's it, you run away, yeah, I'll chase down yeah. It's like... It's like never stops. <laughs> <laughs> you absolute bastard. Oh, look at again at me, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monkeys probably do that. Yeah, monkeys definitely. Like little capuchins. Yeah. They just don't shut the fuck up. I don't even know what that is. Ace Ventura monkey. Ah, Spike. Yes, couldn't think of the name, yeah. but yeah. Oh, love Spike. I like this. And I'm just thinking how many animals could be complete assholes. I think kangaroos are dickheads. 
Yeah, they kick a lot, don't they? Rhinos. Mm. Rhinos are proper grumpy. Around. I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna get you. I'm coming. Oh. <laughs> I reckon giraffes think a lot better than everyone else as well. No, I think giraffes are maj- yeah proper majestic, like just. Wow. I don't think the dickheads. I think they just think they're better than everyone else. Well, they do. I think when they bring that tongue, I go, yeah, I'll have mm. all the leaves. Thank you. Mm. All the leaves for me. Thank you. Yes, yes. Mm. You want you... some leaves down there, do you? You peasants. Peasants. Yeah. Peasants. Giraffes. <laughs> giraffes are Tories. <laughs> giraffes are Tories. <laughs> Look at all of you. <laughs> I could reach whatever I like. <laughs> Can you reach this up here? No, I can. Long my, neck. Tongue is, my tongue is fucking massive. So, yeah. <laughs> do the humans have conversations about where you'd wear a necktie? No, they do with me. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what is Callum Trichiners this week? I wonder how many chickens it would take to kill an elephant. Straight out of Ryan Williams Stoner Journal. That is that's the greatest treatment of all. That would never be topped. <laughs> that would never be topped. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? <laughs> they wouldn't even peck through its skin, would they? I was gonna say, I don't I don't think they could. I reckon elephant would win 100 yeah, percent Definitely. Just yeah. put his foot down. Oh, fuck the chickens me are like scared of everything. Oh, one. One. Lay an egg, let it slip. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. But then if it slips one foot, it's not going to really do anything, is it? The only way they're going to do it is if they're a massive, massive, massive gang of them sort of trip him over, which case tons of them will be wiped out from it falling over. And they'll like about, go for the eyes and shit. I don't know. What about a giant chicken from Family Guy? Oh, he's, he's got a better chance. He has got a chance. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. That was lit. Like, I don't even want to grace it with an answer and destroy it because that was no. just fucking glorious <laughs> on so many levels. Like, I'm oh. really intrigued to find out what people think. Like, how many chickens could kill an elephant? That is the feedback we want from this episode. How 100%. many chickens do you reckon could take to kill an elephant? Absolutely. Yes, please. Please fucking fill us in. I'd love to know. That is absolutely it. That is just wonderful. Callum, like, you wonderful, handsome, muscly boy. You. I love the way your fucking mind works, boy. Love it. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll let you get you out of the system oh, I'm sorry I'm fine now are you sure? yeah I'm probably just going to start laughing randomly at some point but... that's absolutely fine all good? all good I'm fine now are you sure? yeah I'm fine should I uh, reach for that old book of mine? oh go on reach it grab it pull it out for me reach it? reach it I said you said reach you I said reach Okay, fair enough, that's fine. It's time for Tom's Journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Welcome, everybody, to another edition. So, Jamie, are you ready for this wonderful book of mine? For this oh, week? yes. So, something I noticed, this all happened in a sequence, all one after the other. Okay. Can't Cardiff roads are fucking mental, okay? So I was just walking to work. Bus driver stopped smack bang in the middle of a really busy road to chat to his mate who was on a bike, right? 
Exactly. So they're just chatting away. At the same time, oh, this guy was beeping loads. Um, so so that, is, that was going on. So I turned the corner. This guy was beeping loads. And then one guy swerved his car into a delivery cyclist. He then swerved back out of the way. And now he's beeping and they thumbs up each other. Like, and then one driver came around the corner at the same time, the other corner, and almost absolutely wiped a cyclist out because a cyclist decided to cut in front of the of the at the T junction thing, decided to come out. So the car almost wiped him out as well. It was fucking insane. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just want to live. Please let me live. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to step into the road because I don't have a fucking clue who's going to turn out of somewhere. It was absolutely that is mad. mad. It was insane. All happened at the same time. I was going, what is going on? <laughs> like, Cardiff doesn't feel safe. <laughs> on the roads, anyway. On the roads, anyway, yeah. Absolutely mad. insane. I'm so happy that I don't drive sometimes. I'm just like, fuck that. I'm glad I'm not a cyclist in Cardiff at all. Oh, mate. Some of the delivery cyclists just don't give a shit. Oh, no, they don't. Uh, you notice that. They're just like, I've got to get this to someone on time. Yeah, but the other thing I really don't like is there's electric scooters. Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely can't stand them. Yeah, I mean, they're, obviously they're efficient and they're decent to get to work and stuff, but just chavs just take them. And then, again, they fly down Cardiff Queen Street on them and it's fucking, you can't see people coming out of corners because well, there's so many different like um, like uh, alleyways and stuff and places to go that they shoot around corners like, fuck me. So, yeah, dangerous. At least four or five times I've seen people in A&E from falling off or getting hit by a car with one of them scooters. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. See, Birmingham's not safe either. Not for scooter drivers, is it? <laughs> Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Jamie. Hello. What's an average amount that you'd spend on birthday cards? Oh, I'd buy the cheapest one possible because no one gives a fuck about birthday cards. <laughs> really? Oh, no. This is a conversation me and Claire had not long ago. I was just like, don't buy me a birthday card because I'm not... It's, no, just don't bother. People okay. open it, they go, that's nice. And put it down again. Grumpy little fuck. Not grumpy little fuck. Just that... No one cares about birthday cards. Unless there's money in them. No one cares about them. Let's be honest. I mean, I do. No, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. You didn't even let me elaborate or finish my story, <laughs> yeah? On, Before then. you start jumping out of your fucking throat, you prick. So... There's a Stevens tradition in my family, right? That we like to initiate. And then every year we find the worst card possible for each member of the family. Okay. So okay. I think my dad did fantastically well this year. Um, I am going to look for that actual example. Um, so there you go. My dad has, this is a card with an owl on it. <laughs> and it's got loads of like bushes and trees and leaves and stuff on it. And it just has that horrific, like, you're a son who makes life special in so many wonderful ways. Like, and I'm and so proud <laughs> of the amazing man you've grown up to be. Like, just shit like that. Okay, that is a great tradition. I like that. Yeah. So we do it. We, we all do it to each other and try to get the worst one possible. So, like, I think I sent my brother on with a hammock on it with a beach. I was like, I know how much you love hammocks, Joe. Happy birthday. <laughs> I love those cards in the card shop, though, because you're like, they're just... No one wants a card like that. that is just, they're no. awful. But my dad will literally go around, right, even for Christmas in, like, August or July, and he'll go and buy shitloads of 10p ones, and the cashiers are like, the fuck are you? Like, what's going on here? And dad's just like, 
like absolutely <laughs> loving it. <laughs> Buying absolutely, they've got stacks and stacks of really shitty cards. It's wonderful, so glorious. Okay, that's a great, great tradition. I like that. Thank you very much. We do. We have an Easter egg tradition as well, where if you get an Easter egg in the family, you have to headbutt it open. I think I sort of stole that one off you, didn't I? I started doing. Yeah, it. I think you did. I think you did. But uh, yeah, it was very, very funny. So. I came across this on Twitter and it fucking made me laugh a lot. Someone tweeted, it freaks me out that you never know what anyone's actually up to. Your neighbour could be sitting in their house right now just munching on an onion like an apple and you're none the wiser. (laughs) (laughs) That is brilliant. And it wouldn't surprise me my neighbour because there's something about him which just gives me the creeps. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's just something about him. Just it's something not right there. I don't know what it what, is. What do you mean? What, elaborate. I, d- I don't know. It's just you know when people give you that vibe. Well, he's a nice guy to talk to him, but I don't know. There's something. There's a deep dark secret there. There's there's bodies in the in the cellar or something. I don't uh, know. Okay. Something not right about him. And when he's to their masturbating, when he talked to him, but that's quite weird as well, isn't it? That, that was probably part of. They gave me a clue yeah, to be yeah. fair. You know, stood there with a cucumber in his hand and his cock in his hand. Never yeah, we're just washing it outside. Something not right about this man. Yeah, just having a bath in the, in the porch. Yeah, I mean, who but... uses a cucumber when you've got butternut squashes? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I saw an advert for Come Down With Me, and it was like, we need people from Cardiff and Newport. Hooray! So why do TV shows only want people from certain areas? Do you find that really weird? It's like, I would love for you to come on Wheel of Fortune, but you need to be from Lithuania. <laughs> We need people from Lithuania to come on Wheel of Fortune, please. I didn't know they did, like, specific into certain areas, to be honest. I suppose it's because they want to make an episode out of it, and they've got to obviously cater to each town, city, etc. I imagine how it works, which is so weird now, because it never used to be like that. I suppose you'd think they'd wait until they have so many applicants from this city and then go, right, we'll do an episode there. Instead of, like, we want brummies. No. Yeah, do you reckon people obviously people just obviously aren't applying for stuff on TV because they're all going for like Love Island and bollocks like that, aren't they? Mm. All going for them reality TV shit now. No one wants to be on Come Down With Me with Dave Lamb. What an absolute legend that man is. Um, you know, or like game shows because game shows now were like in the middle of the afternoon, aren't they? Yeah, they're not really popular anymore. No, you get, ten- get Tenable, then you get Tipping Point and then you get The Chase now. That's it. Yeah, seriously, all there is now. Yeah. Then you've got no. Danny Dyer's The Wall, which is bollocks. Is, is Pointless still a thing? Yes, that's BBC, isn't it? ITV is it? have like got the have got the game shows on point. I don't remember the last time I watched proper TV to watch game shows, to be honest. So I'm probably not really helping the market. But there we go. No, but Bradley Walsh um, just makes everything amazing. That man is so funny. I keep seeing clips of him and just making himself laugh with his own terrible jokes. And I was like, this man's Oh, amazing. just... The Fanny Schmeller one will never get old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That will never, <laughs> ever, ever get old. Where he's really trying to hold it in and he keeps going, mm. like, it's just... <laughs> what it's just, hero. The, just the best. I love it. I love shit like that. Um, there's a video he sent you, actually, of when he's on a, a sports show on Sky One hmm. and um, an Olympic... Athlete. It's where people from their sport play different sports for like to try it out. Oh, yeah, and there's, yeah, yeah. there's an Olympic runner who's trying American football and she goes to snap the ball and she farts. 
and they caught it on camera and Bradley Walsh is going absolutely mental laughing his ass off screaming <laughs> like hitting the table he's like play it he's like play it again play it again please play it again and she farts and he's just like and he was like is that real or was that actually made up and then um, Holly Willoughby's like no that actually happened and he's like ah and he just dies laughing it's so funny <laughs> So good. I'm going to have to watch it again. I love shit like that. When people laugh uncontrollably, makes I love it. It's like one of the best things in the world. Um, As you do, two people playing table tennis in the middle of the street with no table, just bats in the middle of, in the, middle of the town. What? Yeah. They're just like hitting the balls with ping pong bats in the middle of the town. But they're bouncing it off something or just no, volleying it? Volleying it. Fair it, enough. It was really weird. They'd be bollocks if they lost that ball. I know, right? There's a lot of people in town as well. I was like, what a weird place to play ping pong. Um, Strange people. Oh, dude. How many drunken photos do you reckon police and bouncers are in? <laughs> can, I, can I wear your hat, please? Yeah, why is that a thing? I don't why know. Do people, why do people always have photos of bouncers? I just don't get it. No, I just no, don't no. understand what the novelty of that is. The like, most conversation I've ever had of a bouncer is, cheers, mate, as they let me in. Yeah. And probably, again, on the way out, but that's it. Yeah, just I just don't understand why police, like, why? I get, I get that, I mean, they're enjoying the night and stuff like that, but it's just so random. Yeah, I don't get it. Either. I just don't get it. When I used to work in the hotel, the police used to come and have their break in the hotel. They used the coffee machine and stuff. And the amount of times people who were in the bar would harass them and be like, I haven't done anything, officer. Picture of your hat and all this stuff. I was oh. like, just leave them alone. Britain, hooray. Um, two more. Why is it? So I realized that I did this. I do this a lot, and I'm like, fucking hell, why do people do this? Why is it when people say they're not well, do the people that you're talking to about it start acting like doctors? So it's like, oh, really? Oh, just, just make sure you're doing this and that, and you'll be fine. Especially if you keep drinking the fluids. Right? Just rest up and take it easy. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know you do because it's all you've done with me the past few days. Yeah. Just make sure you rest. Try not to use your hand. I did it to Brooke as well because she's not been feeling very well. I was like, you let some fluids down you. There's some, there's some tablets. <laughs> good, good. Just, just keep doing that. Just keep mixing them every two. Paracetamol every, and then ibuprofen every two hours. Are you resting enough? So, you probably everyone does it. Yeah. It's just very, very fucking funny. I was like, why do they know? I've not got a PhD. Like That's just being a bit of a twat. <laughs> right. It's a thing that everyone knows as well. Rest, drink lots, take tablets. Most everyone knows what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Jamie. Hello. Do you remember last week? I do. It wasn't that long ago. But you didn't let me fucking finish. Sorry. It's because I'm trying to find it. So I'm trying to delay. Oh, okay. Talking, but so hold on. You had to go at me for interrupting, I've got and it. then really could have done with me interrupting to kill time. So, a lovely chap who I work with, Luke, was talking to me about our episode last week in regards to are there any other mambos? Ah, yes, he found one. What, yeah, what do you remember, Bob the Builder? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Credit to Luke for this. He was like that he found Bob the Builder did Mambo number five. He did. I forgot all about that. Sure. Sure. 
absolutely phenomenal. Luke, thank you so much for that because I'd completely forgotten. I got really excited when you first said it. I was like, there's a Lou Baker did another Mambo? No. There isn't the Mambos, but I mean there probably is other Mambos. There's got to be the Mambos out there. And hopefully it's the man himself. But um yeah, Bob the Bill did one. So fair play, Luke. Thank you very much for that, because I'd completely forgotten. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten all about that. Yeah. And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. Absolutely glorious. Thank you very much, sir. Jamie. Ooh, yes, we are, Mister. We are at the peace. The peace of the resistance. Oh. The peace to resistance. And it is a glorious piece this week. It is a very glorious piece of resistance this week. So, for all you Star Wars fans, again. <laughs> well, kind of sore. For all you Star Wars fans, again, don't let Jamie tell you otherwise. We have the man. The man who played the bounty hunter in A New Hope Special Edition? Yes, he did. Can you remember the the bounty hunter's name? Oh, fuck off. (laughs) So, obviously he played Lord Farquhar in Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was Boba Fett. Or Boba. Sorry, Boba. I do apologise for this bit of... But I'm going with what I like. Boba Fett... um, in uh, A New Hope, the special edition. So uh, Mr. Mark Anthony Austin was in the Chateau this week. He is also a visual effects artist who worked on fuck tons of films uh, that you might have heard of, like The Avengers. Heard of that? Kind of long. Thor The Dark World? Sounds familiar. Bolt? I love that film. (laughs) Cruella? Still not watched it, but it looks good. Yeah, just a few other. They're going to do a sequel, aren't they? Um, Mark was an absolute legend, an absolute hero to speak to, and a very weird, it's very weird to speak to a man from Essex in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah, because he's like arranging this interview, he's like, LA time, he's got that accent, and at the same time, he's like, yeah, I worked on adverts for Tetley Tea and Robina. <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Mark is such a hero, and we were, it's such a pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you so much. This interview was just so much fun. We had such a great laugh, and I can't wait for you all to hear it. This is absolutely glorious. Like Tom said about Star Wars fans, yes, there is quite a bit of Star Wars in here, but as well, as it's just fascinating learning about special effects and what goes into it and stuff like that. It's truly a wonderful conversation. It absolutely is. Jamie, before we get into it, are there any last words? Just to Mark himself, if you're listening, thank you so damn much, sir. This was absolutely glorious. Ladies and gentlemen, will the mouse take this house? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, he is a visual effects artist who played Boba Fett in Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition. He has worked on the Avengers, Thor The Dark World, Balt, Cruella, and many, many more. It's Mark Anthony Austin. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have another spectacular guest for you. Today's guest is a digital and graphics artist who has worked on some of the biggest Hollywood blockbusters. Like what you ask? How about Star Trek Beyond? Detective Pikachu? Avengers? Or maybe this small movie you may have heard of called Star Wars. Especially... I'm sorry, go again. As well as this, today's guest is one of the six people to portray the world's most badass bounty hunter. 
Boba Fett. Ladies and gents, welcome to the Chronicles of Mark Anthony Austin. Thank you guys for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure, an <laughs> honour, a privilege. Any other adjective you can think of, it's that as well. <laughs> awesome. awesome. But um, Mark, seriously, man, how has the last year been for you, or the last year and a half now, should we say? For me, it's been uh, unbelievably kind of um, fortuitous, really. I mean, I, I was working for a long time, for five years. Can you hear walking in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're live. Uh, i've been working uh for five years i was working for five years for a motion picture company where i worked on a lot of those films that you mentioned like detective pikachu etc um and then uh i got an offer from netflix and i was like oh man should i should i take it i have a a they just offered me a staff position a year before i really shouldn't be throwing away a staff position and you know and uh kind of umming and ahhing about it. And I really kind of took the job uh, because it was a 40-hour work week. And I've been working for 15 years on a 50-hour work week, which is no fun, no fun. And Disney went to 50 hours about 2004, 2005. So, uh, and everyone else just jumped on the bandwagon. It's like, there's no labor laws in the States. It's not like in England where, you know, you can demand your your holiday or... Show your doctor's note and get your get paid for that sick time. Here you have five sick days for the year. Five. What? Use them wisely. Use them wisely. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're sick for two weeks, that second week you're not paid. You've only got five days. And you can accrue them over time, extra ones if you're really good. But it's there's no labor laws. Anyway, another story. That's another story. Uh, Netflix offered me this job and I took it and two weeks later COVID dropped so I was working in the studio two weeks and but Netflix were like okay we're gonna send we're gonna send you guys home think about what we're gonna do so I was sitting at home for a week and a half being paid waiting for Netflix to tell me what was happening and they just said we're gonna bubble wrap all your monitors your keyboard your Wacom tablet uh, the tower everything and send it to your home and you're going to work from home. So I've always wanted to work from home. It's just been really hard convincing studios in America to trust you. You're going to be working those 50 hours, you know, and because I'm pretty fast at my job, they're less trustworthy of me. You know, did you really spend all 10 hours on that shot? I'm pretty fast, so I could, you know, maybe on a shot, I could maybe bang one out in like four or five hours. But uh, but now we've got uh, working from home as standard, and they've seen no decrease in the amount of work done or the quality of work. And, and in fact, those two things have gone up. So I'm hoping that they're going to stick to like a hybrid version where we can work from home uh, most of the week and just go in for like meetings one day. I'm hoping Mondays. But really, that's that decision taking that Netflix uh, job offer kind of saved me. Um, and so the last year and a half have been great. I've been working on two features for them. I'm still working on the second one. And I can tell you what it is it's uh, Ultraman, if you know who Ultraman is. But I know it's the a name. Ultraman anime, uh, animated feature. 
kind of Ultraman meets Spider Verse, hopefully, kind of a that's really cool. Of those two, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Amazing. But take us back to so what was the original plan for Young Master Austin? Was it always art and design that interested you? Yeah, well, I originally wanted to be a, a children's book illustrator. Oh, nice. That's what I went to college for. I went to college for children's children's book illustration. I just love to draw, paint. Um, I still do. But that was the plan. And when I did the diploma course in uh, Havering Tech, which is over in Havering, Essex, um, at the end of the diploma course, they're meant to kind of like pair you up with a college and they said uh is there anything that you haven't done in the past you know at the year that you've wanted to and i said i've always wanted to try my hand at animation they're like well, we don't have nobody that can teach you that uh we don't have anyone qualified you know so you're going to have to just do some storyboards and if you really want to do that as a college program you're going to have to take along a whole bunch of storyboards and hope you get in on those and uh, luckily I did. So that's how I end up in animation. But then my first job, uh, I was, well, I was a bartender for a year and a half without a job. I thought I was going to be a bartender for life. I love being a bartender. But uh, after that, um, I, got, I got a job offer from uh, an animation uh, commercials studio in Soho. So I was making the Tetley Teabag commercials and uh, Ryabina commercials back in the day. In the was that the Johnny early Vegas 90s. ones? Was that the Sorry, jo- no, no, they're not the Johnny Vegas ones, are they? The Tetley, no Tetley. That was PG Tips. Wrong one. Sorry, my bad. I'll shut up. Yeah. It was the it was the uh, it was the floppy hat guys, you know. Yeah, the yeah, gaffer. The, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had the round bags. When I when I went there, they came up with this new thing. It was like a round tea bag. <laughs> what? What a round one? So we did a whole commercial campaign on round tea bags in the early 90s. And so it's fun. It's fun. Everyone knew my work, but nobody knew I'd done it. So you're kind of anonymous. You're even more anonymous, I should say. As an animator, you're kind of anonymous because your characters are well known. Um, like uh, everyone knows Foxy Loxy from Chicken Little, but nobody knows that I had created Foxy Loxy. Um, but in commercials, you're even less known because there's no credits at the end of the movie so it's a good I did that point, for five actually, years yeah. yeah i did that for five years everyone knew my work nobody knew i did it and uh making that jump to movies you're more likely to get credit i've been i've been missed on the credit list probably 20 or 25 percent on the movies i've worked on just because vfx has no union and it's a union-based industry. So they'll, they'll admit as many of those VFX artists as they can to get the credits running as long as they wanted to. I was going to wow. say why, but I suppose, yeah, so it's not like going ridiculously Forever, long. Forever, yeah, yeah. They want it running a certain amount of time. And you, it used to be if you worked less than three months on a movie, then you weren't going to get credit. But if you worked over three months, then you would guarantee the credit. That's not the case now because some movies I've worked, you know, six months on, uh, like uh, Love and Monsters, that was up for the Oscar. Mm. Uh, I didn't get a credit on that, but I worked for on that for about six months. 
Bloody hell. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not very fair. I wish they would unionize. Um, I'm, I'm unionized again because when I was at Disney, you have to join the cartoonist union. And uh, now I'm back with feature animation. We're back in, the, I'm back in the cartoonist union. So at least I'm guaranteed, guaranteed credits on this movie and the last one I worked on. So did going to college then, when you wanted to be a children's book illustrator, did that make you then go, oh, actually, animation sounds pretty cool? Well, I've always loved it. Ever since a kid, I used to live, uh, I used to live in Hornchurch, Essex, and I used to live uh, walking distance to the cinema. And so on Saturday mornings, we used to go to the cinema, and, and I loved the old Disney classics. Um, I loved the uh, Warner Brothers, the old Tex Avery, you know, um, Tom and Jerry's and Bugs Bunny's. Oh. Uh, so I, I always look for that Fred Quimby at the end of the credits. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a good Tom and Jerry. Then. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Chuck Jones. Uh, he's a nice guy. I met him, but I, I was never a fan of his version of Bugs Bunny or his version of Tom and Jerry, but I always loved animation. And so um, I didn't ever think I'd get the opportunity to do some. So that's why when I was asked, is there anything you haven't done that was anything I could think of? It's like something that I wish I could do. And it wasn't offered in that uh, general art and the general art course as a diploma course. Yeah. So you went to broaden your horizons, basically, and they weren't offering that to you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of, I mean, I was kind of late in the game to kind of voice that as something that I was interested in. Um but it worked out, you know, I got, I got in at the college in uh, West Surrey College of Art and Design in Surrey and uh, did my Bachelor of Arts degree and, and my film got uh, nominated for a BAFTA award, so. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I did win, but I got nominated. <laughs> you can still so say good. BAFTA nominated, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing though. So if you had to turn around on that whim and just gone, well, animation. Yeah. You, I would never, you'd never um, be where you got to that. That's amazing. That's my whole life. My whole life has been those <laughs> those forks that just suddenly appear, and you know the the straight fork is this one. But I've always got opted for that 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 one, <laughs> and amazing. it's led me to to this place. So, you know. so you moved from London doing those TV commercials straight to ILM. Is that right? Yeah. Well, when I when I was working on the commercials. The company I was working for, they'd been going for like 35 years. They did all the old home fried flour grader commercials back in the day, the black and white ones. They did a lot of trailers that you saw between movies in the theater. So they'd been going for years and years. years. The guys were 63 and 65 and they wanted to retire. So they closed shop. Everyone was made redundant. And so I was out of the job. And a friend of mine went along to an ILM lecture in, uh, it was the, it was in Leicester Square. And they were doing a lecture talking about how they did the realistic dinosaur effects in Jurassic Park. Mm. So uh, I got a phone call from my friend who went to this lecture, like really late at night, like midnight or something. He said, I've just been to, for a drink with the guys. What, who, what guys? <laughs> the, the ILM guys. I've just been for a drink with them and uh, they're looking for animators. So I was like, yeah, but you're talking about computers, aren't you? And so he goes, yeah, but they, they want guys that are traditional animators, you know, pencil and paper animators. 
they want to teach them the software because it's so easy to learn. It's like an eight to 10 week course and you're off and running as a computer animator. The other way around is if you're a technical guy that knows the, com the computer has to learn animation, that's like a years and years process, you know? Mm. I mean, it took, even though I had a college film that one that nominated, it took a lot longer to, uh, you know, learn animation where I was comfortable with, you know, every aspect of animation, walk cycles, run cycles, uh, perspective, that kind of thing. Timing, especially. So they, ILM were opting for this shorter route. They were hiring all these uh, 2D animators, teaching them the computer because they wanted a whole crew ready for Casper. It was like the first time they had uh, a digital character that was the, the main character. You know, they'd never done mm. it before. He had to talk, he had to act. Uh, they were really worried about how they're going to pull that off. So they hired a whole bunch of us traditional animators and taught us uh, how to do computer animation. That's amazing. And it, yeah. was the course was the course as hard as you were thinking, or was it like, do you know what? This is no, actually quite like, easy. It was like it was like being paid to have fun. It was like <laughs> it's like video games. It's like video, it's like you play to play video games. Um, I really felt like for that. Uh, it was a year and a half contract and I, f I felt for the whole 18 months that I was being paid to be on vacation and have fun every day and they would send you home at six o'clock and I'd be like oh really I just want to finish no 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 you've got to go <laughs> yeah, union it was a union back then as well I was like damn it I just want to finish no 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 you've got to leave and so I literally got kicked off on my machine at six o'clock I would have just played you know into the evening probably you would have had the film finished by the end of the week. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was good. I, I, did the, I did the training course. And during the training course, they promoted me to uh, lead, lead animator for Casper. They promoted uh, another guy, English guy, Phil Robinson, his name was, uh, to be the uh, lead or supervising animator for the Ghostly Trio. And so I had Casper... He, Phil had the ghostly trio and we both got given teams and uh, yeah, it was so much fun. I, I really thought that um, I was going to get sent home after that movie. I, when they sent me to HR, they sent me up to human resources and I thought, oh, I'm going to fill out the paperwork for, you know, going home or something or get my tickets or something. And they said, um, okay, Mr. Austin, you're, you're moving on to Star Wars A New Hope. I'm like, what? Uh, am I? And they said, yeah, we have you down as a full-time employee. Is that okay? And I'm like, well, I'm sure. I just have to call my mum. So like, I'm not going to come home. I'm not coming home. You know, don't go to Gatwick. <laughs> not going to be there. Not gonna no, be so there. You, sort of, you sort of accidentally permanently moved to America. That's amazing. <laughs> they, it's funny. It's like normally you have to go through all these hoops of fire to like get you know, a work visa here. But um, yeah, they literally just shoved it in my pocket and said, is this okay? Okay. So um, yeah, I stayed at ILM for another another six months, seven months. That's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so, got to work on Star Wars, which was even better. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more later. But, okay. but with your work as an animator and stuff, how much of a film does one person do? Like, yeah. And how long does it take roughly? 
is it like right you are going to animate this scene and then you're done off you pop or is it you know i, I don't know yeah so i'm asking yeah <laughs> what okay when i was in doing the uh technically bag commercials your rate was 10 seconds per week so if I did a 30-second Tetley commercial, I'd have to have a third done every week. Then three weeks, everything had to be done. And I thought that that was a normal, uh, a normal rate. You know, that sounded pretty okay to me. I, I didn't know any different. Then I get to the States, and they give me my first Casper shot. And my first Casper shot is three seconds long. Now, I'm used to 10 seconds a week. It gave me a three-second shot, and they and uh, it said, "Okay, here you go." So I, I did the shot, and I, I'm done. They said, "Well, you got to wait till tomorrow to, till you we go into dailies." And I said, "Well, can I have another shot?" No, it's what? one one shot per animator per week. What? So that, that was the standard. So you know, you could have a longer shot, a six-second shot, and that would be your. You have to get the six seconds done in a week. Or you can get your three-second shot down the week, but whatever it is, you have a week to do it. If it's a complex shot, then it goes into like two weeks or three weeks or four. But if it's just my first shot was Casper doing this, like <laughs> just seeing Richie, just doing that, the fingers, and they they were looking at the fingers uncurling, and it wasn't until I don't know if you've ever tried it, but if you try and uncurl your fingers. And all your fingers doing the exactly the same movement. It's pretty impossible. They they all move a bit differently. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until I did that kind of detail that it kind of looked right. So it kind of did take a week to get to that point where I realized what was wrong with it, what wasn't working. But um, yeah, I, I I had nothing to do. They said, well, put your shot into dailies and uh, go home, or play pool or something. So. <laughs> It was like, as I said, it was like being on vacation like, and being paid. That's incredible. That is but amazing. With the changes in technology over the years, though, has that changed or is that still pretty much what uh, they expect? It's pretty much the same still. It still takes one animator, uh, one shot per week, usually. Uh, what they do is they, they usually give them an A, B or C level of how, difficulty. C being really hard, A, a being really easy. So... Um, that determines if you have more than one week, but usually it's one shot per animator per week. When I went into cinematography, which is previs, where you're doing rough versions of the shot uh, for like feature films, for the basically your rough version goes to final effects and they do the clean version. Hmm. But that was one shot per animator per day when I started. And now the standard is two shots per animator per day for previs. So in a week, you get 10 shots done. Incredible. I mean, do you get to bring ideas to the table or do they basically go, this is what we want from you? Depends Depends on the show. Depends on the director. Sometimes the director doesn't even get involved. They just send their effects supervisor to organise it. So sometimes you get to work with the director. I prefer working with the director. But if the director's got a good liaison with the effects supervisor... I mentioned I worked on uh, Love and Monsters. Yeah. And um, on that, I never saw the director once. He was in Queensland, Australia, shooting the movie. I was working with Matt Sloan, 
in Los Angeles and we were doing our dailies like really late in the day, which is early morning now. Um, but Matt Sloan, it turned out, I didn't realize who Matt Sloan was. And we got really near the end of our you know, six months working together when suddenly he dropped this bomb on me saying that he was Plo Kloon. I'm like, what? Why, why don't I know this? I've been working with Plo Kloon for five months. I said, well, you, you know, I'm Boba Fett. <laughs> so we had this weird kind of, huh? Yeah. Strange. But um, I prefer working with the directors most of the time. I can imagine. But especially with, like you were just saying with Star Wars then, that must was that like a completely different Kettler fish to what used because that's not a new film, is it? You know, you're enhancing an old film. Yeah, but still the same. It's the same thing. You still have. Uh, we had storyboards. I wish I had those storyboards still. Um, and the storyboards they had a Jabba on this repulsor sled, like a floating version of his throne, but thinner. And uh, the reason they rejected it is because they did, they thought his eye line would be too high compared to Harrison if he was on this sled. So that's why they put him on the floor. And uh, but still, the, the process is the same. You still have uh, you know your what they want the shot to be. Usually, the director gives you his vision, and yeah, you do have some to and fro. Right? Like uh, on some of the shots I worked on. Uh, I put in suggestions and they got accepted. Like um, there was a shot in New Hope where the Dubak, the, the bald was the Dubak's butt in the camera and it was just walking away. It was just walking away. And I said to George, uh, I said, you know, um, what a name I, drop. I, feel, I feel like it can be, uh, I didn't say less ugly. I can't remember how I how I phrased it, but a better shot if we have the Dubak, you know, facing the camera, and the stormtroopers coaxing it, and then it turns around, and we end up and we hook up within that shot, and so they end up in the movie. But that was uh, that was just I just did that version, and I put two versions into dailies, and he picked version B, which was the alternate version. <laughs> Which makes more sense to be fair. You want to know more what it is, not just see the Dubuck's ass, you know. <laughs> it, was just, it was just an ugly shot, it was nothing appealing. I mean, I like Dubuck's, but nothing appealing about just seeing a Dubuck's butt in camera. <laughs> but I had to block out that version. So when you block out, uh, you don't usually put the walk in, you just slide the characters. You want, you want to buy off on how fast they're moving because then you know how large the paces are going to be. So first of all, you slide the characters through. If the bricks is no faster, then you know you have to go to a run or a trot instead of a walk. But um, I, I slid the dobacks through on that first shot with the ugly butt, and then I slid the character through on the second one. And when I put it into dailies, actually, it's a funny story that the producer saw it in the lineup and he said, "What's this second shot?" And I said, "Oh, that's um, uh, an alternate version, Tom." Saying, so oh no, you've got to take that out. That's disrespectful to Mr. Lucas because Luke, Mr. Lucas is surrounded by his kind of yes men, I called them. You have to break through the yes men, yeah. <laughs> communicate properly. But um, I got told to take it out the out dailies. And had I done that, it would never be in the movie. It's another one of those forks 
And I there had to is. for that one. I, I was about to delete it and I went, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I just I don't care. I don't, whatever the consequences, I don't care. But the thing is, it, it was such a, I'm so glad I did because, like I said, uh, George was kind of, it seemed very kind of like, almost like, like he had something better to do. He didn't seem that invested in watching, I guess, watching these days go past. And then something different came up on the screen, this alternate version, and suddenly he perks up. Oh, what's this? And so my hand goes up at the back of the room. And I said, so Mr. Lucas, that's a, an alternate version. You know, there's a version A, version B, whichever one you like. And he suddenly started again invested in the shot. We were talking about it and talking about what was better about it, uh, what was ugly about the other shot. You know, less interesting. Um, I mentioned about you know the Dubek could turn and swish his tail and his sand. That was fun to do. Do all the sand. It was literally is a sphere because we had a ground plane of the, the the sand dune, and underneath it I put, made a large sphere and I poked it through and scaled it, and we just applied the texture of sand on top of that, and it looks like the Dubeks kicking all this sand across but it's just a, a flattened sphere like a disc expanded with a grain on it a sand grain texture so worked so out well worked out well it looked like looked like the dewback was in in the plate affecting the environment you know and i made another shape around the dewback's foot uh i got the modeler to make me a, a kind of a, an imprint of the foot and i pushed it up through the sand when the foot came down it came up so it looked like the sand was being pushed up around the foot as it you know yeah, yeah, yeah. So well. what's that well but like i said it was it was like having fun and being paid for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it still it still does feel like that actually to this day so because my mother always said you better choose a um a career that you love to do because that's a third of your life so make sure it's something that you love doing and you'll be all right so Yes, <laughs> So from ILM, you went on to work for Disney. So what was it that made you make the jump? Was it just ILM had nothing else for you? Or was it just, I want, no. I want to change? I was, I was working, like I said, I was working on New Hope and very happy. And so I, Disney were on the phone because they saw the credits list on Casper. Oh, look, look at those supervising animators. Let's grab those guys. So we could, they're called the Disney Headhunters. So I had a phone call at my desk. This is Disney, blah, blah, blah. Here's a large sum of money. <laughs> so I said, well, actually, Disney, I'm, I'm kind of happy where I am. Thank you. Turn down I, was, I didn't want to work for Disney. I didn't want to work for Disney because they'd already rejected my portfolio uh, prior to getting the job at ILM. So they, they'd already, from England, I had to send my portfolio to the states they they kept it for these rounds and rounds they did of um uh, valuation and after like three or four weeks they finally sent me a letter saying oh no we, we made it to round three but no so i said well thanks i couldn't apply to any other jobs in the whole month because i only have one portfolio it's not like nowadays where you ah. can send a link you know yet yeah. it was literally a portfolio and a vhs of your movie, you know. So um, I was like, "Those bastards! I'm never going to work for them." 
<laughs> Fuck that man. So when they up, they said, here's the last sum of money. No thanks. Boom. And then maybe a week or so later, I had another phone call. Here's even more money. Uh, I told you I'm happy where I am. Click. This went on for maybe four or five times, and then it got so ridiculous, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They thought I was playing hardball, I guess. They thought I was like, you know, negotiating. I wasn't. I was, like I said, I was happy where I was. But uh, in the end, it got to the point where I had some friends that had left and went to Disney and they were telling me all about the artist development that, that they had down there. And I loved Lucasfilm. It was a hard, it was probably the hardest decision at those forks in the road. This was the biggest by far fault that I'd ever. I, I still wonder what would have happened if I'd stayed at Ireland. You know, they did offer me. They did offer me uh, the animation director on the prequels as a as a kind of a, an incentive to stay. And um, and I said no. I said I didn't feel I didn't think I was ready to supervise a movie. I didn't think I was. I wouldn't have done it justice. I wasn't qualified at that stage. And it took going to Disney to get to the stage where I feel confident enough I could do that now. Well, I've done it a number of times now. But uh, at that time, I I did feel like I, I would be letting the fans down. I wouldn't have been qualified enough. And I, they put Rob Coleman in as the animation director, and he did a... a an okay job so he's gonna say that's a lot of pressure yeah yeah i didn't want that pressure i, I was having too much fun uh, it was fun being a supervisor of a character and a uh, creature supervisor which i was on uh new hope but to supervise an entire movie with an entire crew i, I was much better at being hands-on much better at doing it myself so um yeah i think i made the right decision I think, you know, everything worked out the way it did. So I'm not, I've got no complaints about my uh, career path. But you did, you did several big movies at Disney, though. You know, you did Dinosaur, Meet the Robinsons. You know, yeah. was, is that a case of, again, like Casper, like you are in charge of this character? Yeah, yeah. Um, Dinosaur, we were all just, they hadn't assigned any characters to any artists at that stage. And I did a test where they wanted kind of behavioral animations for like, they wanted you to look at kind of like uh, nature footage, like David Attenborough, pick something that was, people would recognize. So I did, have you ever seen a horse taking a dust bath? Mm. Nope, they kind of roll on the, on the floor. They roll on the floor and they, they get themselves, their dogs do it as well, or cats, they kind of roll oh, in yeah. the dust. So I did this, Four and a half ton dinosaur doing the dust bath, you know, you know, rubbing itself on the floor and stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. And they just loved that piece. They loved it. It was uh, it was four hundred frames long, and they were going for the majesty of dinosaurs. And my only concern was, um, now most of our shots come in at three seconds long. That's like the average three or four seconds. But for the majesty of dinosaurs, you need a lot of time because it's you know they're big. Mm -hmm. So my concern was that they weren't going to give us the time, and they didn't. But we we had workarounds to kind of cheat the believability of 
those dinosaurs moving as fast as they wanted them to, but still maintain that they're four and a half tons. So, but they they assigned me Aladar because of that. So I've got the hero character again. So I was kind of pigeonholed as like the hero character animator, and I was kind of getting a bit worried about that because the hero animate the hero character can't deviate too far from being the hero. He can't be too angry. He can't be you know he's got to stay on his career, this hero path. And so I didn't want to be, you know, the hero guy the whole of my career. It's much better to have some variety like that. The villains are fun. So I tried to break out, after Dinosaur, I tried to break out of that hero pigeonhole. Mm. And uh, Treasure Planet came next. And luckily I got the comic relief, which was um, the crazy Ben... Martin Short voiced character in that movie. So I've I haven't seen the film in a long trend. time. <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I have to watch it again. It's it's very underrated that movie. It is to be fair. But the thing that caught my eye with your work at Disney is the fact you you did like a three D attraction for Disney World. Yeah, the Mickey's Philharmonic. That so, was that was. That was a, it, it made my brain ache. I was going to say, that was a face of Vietnam flashbacks, that was. <laughs> it was it was dealing with the whole... When, when you, have a char- you have a character and he's meant to be on the stage and he's meant to be so high, when you bring him over the audience, you have to, you know, he's going to get so big, he's going to be like... So you have to shrink the character down but not too fast because he's got to grow in size as it comes through. And then grow in size, it goes, oh, it just as a mind meld. And they gave me, I did in that, have you ever seen it? Have you ever been to? I've not, no. I'd uh, love to go. In the end of it, there's a vortex, a, a hurricane, a tornado. And swept up into it is Donald Duck and 60 instruments. And I had to animate all those 60. And he has to like, at one part, be on a double bass and paddling with a violin and next minute he's like bouncing on kettle drums and it was a nightmare to orchestrate those 60 objects swirling in it. Oh. Yeah. You could, it you was, could tell, you could tell which one of us worked on it then because you're describing it me and Tom are like that sounds amazing whereas you're like this was the worst moment of my entire career. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was tough. It was tough. It was worth it in the end. Well, but, I was going to uh, say, was it satisfying to go on the ride afterwards? And like, yeah, I did that. That was it. Was cool to see it. It was cool to see it. It's like it's always cool to see your um, your work on the big screen and, and kind of unchanged. Sometimes they change things up, but most of the time, when I see it, it's just like a, a tidier version of the last time I saw it. Also, you get used to hearing the scratch music on a lot of uh, the stuff we work on. We have like a temp music track. And you get so used to that music when you see it in the final and it's this whole, you know, scored orchestra doing the, another thing. It's like, oh, I kind of miss the temp music. <laughs> <laughs> you get so used to it. It takes you a while to get used to the new music. Does, um, so when you watch movies now then, the ones that you've never worked on or you, ha- you don't work with or whatever, does it spoil it for you a little bit because you're like, well, I would have done that instead of that. I would have done this instead of this. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, some of the times it does. Even watching uh, Mandalorian, there was a there's a shot where he's uh, flying in the Razor Crest and you've got X-Wings both sides. 
and, and they're talking to him, telling yeah. him, you know, you should be flying here. Now, when he looks at this side, it, it's the X-Wing is a certain relationship to Razor Quest, Crest. When he looks at the other side, I would have made it slightly different, further away, just to make them not look like a mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. If you watch it, it's like a, a mirror. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. I would have made it further away or lower or doing something so it's not like uh, the opposite of that. <laughs> Boring. Boring. That's just me. So, yeah, I can't help but I can't switch that off. So. That's amazing. I love that. So, you obviously moved away from animation for a while and went and worked in pre and post visualization. What made you yeah. make the change? Uh, literally, it was I had to get out of Disney. Okay. I had to. It got to a point where Disney wasn't fun to work at for me. Okay. Uh, it, it's a very, it got very political when John Lasseter came in. You know, John Lasseter came comes in as the head of the studio. He doesn't know who does what, so it became a big kind of look at me, look at me, and got very cutthroat, uh... very political. And I just want to make movies. So I was working on Bolt. That was a, that was the last movie I worked on, I and. I just I had a contract I had to obligate. I've never broken a contract and I wasn't prepared to at that stage. So I thought I'll just sit through to the end of the contract and then I'm going to get out. And so that's what I did. That's why I left. I'm not going to lie. You and a previous guest we spoke to are not making Disney sound like a great company to work for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just saying from experience, you know, I'm sure they were. Um, I mean, when I first joined Disney, I loved it. Um, they, they treated you less like a number and more like an artist. Mm. Um, that kind of di- that kind of died a death towards the end of the nineties. And um, yeah, I'm sure it was much better to work for Disney when Walt Disney was alive. You know, we had a strong head of the studio. Um, I'm sure that that's that's. It. Kind of working for Netflix reminds me of what it must have been like to work for Disney because Netflix treat you very respectfully. They treat you as an artist. Your your opinion isn't just noted. You get it written down in a, in a, in a you get the minutes for the meetings and you've got a little MA and everything I said. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, so I make sure I don't just talk bollocks i make sure i have a point <laughs> when i speak because someone's going to write that down <laughs> so I was gonna say, make sure that you make sure you have a point before speaking just looking that. over at the guys writing the mean minutes like i'm going to say as many words as i can as fast as i can <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm going to use words he doesn't even know what they mean i use english words <laughs> like, knickknacks they don't know what knickknacks are like, what's a knickknack you know what? like bits and bobs what's that oh um <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, they haven't got a word. I love that there's so many English phrases we don't even realise the Americans don't know. No. <laughs> the worst part is when you get to get, get go and get your car fixed. Because I don't know, you know, a new trunk and a new hood. Mm. And that's I thought they were the only differences. So I said, I've got a crack in my windshield. No, windscreen, I said. And I said, a windscreen? What's that? <laughs> yeah, a windscreen. You mean a windshield? That's the same difference, isn't it? They have 
And my 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 uh, indicator's busted. Uh, what, what's an indicator? That thing. Oh, you mean your signal? Okay, or whatever. Oh. Fix it, please. <laughs> Cars are the worst. Cars are the worst. That's, That's the so nature of Americans, though. I love it because the pathway is a sidewalk. Because yeah. we walk on it, and it's on the side. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and even motorway, uh, motorway, I mean, it's so obvious what a motorway is, but because you haven't said freeway, uh, yeah. yeah that makes me laugh. Crazy. Just, so, obviously, you explained to us before what pre-vis was, but what's post-vis exactly? Okay. Post-vis, you usually do pre-vis, and you're basically designing the shots so yeah. in a virtual world. So you have a virtual set, virtual actors, virtual effects, virtual vehicles. You shoot everything. You choose the lens for the camera, the position, the height, the camera, the movement of the camera. All those things get translated, you know, to the live action shoot. So they shoot the live action play. And so, for instance, the Avengers. In the previous for the Avengers, we contacted all of the buildings near to the MetLife building, which was going to be Tony Stark's tower. And we asked which, which of these uh, buildings would allow roof access for, sh for shooting. And so all the buildings that allowed roof access, they're the way where we put our cameras. So that a camera crew can go along there, go to the roof, set the camera up, put that lens on, put the camera that high, shoot, whatever it is. So post-vis is when you get those plates back. So you get those plates that they've shot. You put the you put Iron Man onto that panning shot that they did and make sure that it works. So you're basically pairing your previs with what they've shot. So you take your virtual set away and you put your characters in front of what is essentially a 2D plate in the, in the, in the camera. In, in Maya, so in the in the three D world, there's a, a screen and your character's in front of it, but it looks like he's in the plate. You light it so that he looks like he's being affected the same way as the plate is by light sources, effects, ah. and you. It's basically a final check. So that's what we did on Pikachu. Detective Pikachu it was mostly post vis. They they knew what they wanted to shoot. They shot it. We had to put the Pokemon in there. I had to learn what the Pokemon were because I was very <laughs> ignorant of Pokemon before that I show. I did the same, don't worry. I had to learn all their names, uh, put them all in and show it to the director. And the director said, yeah, it's not working for me. I've, made, I've got this other plate we can maybe use and you have to redo it with this new plate. That's the difference between previs and post-vis. You're working with their shot plates, maybe cropping into them or enlarging them or putting two plates together and trying to marry them. Um, it's it's like a, a puzzle. It's like a puzzle. Make, taking all the pieces and combine it with what they've shot to give an approval on that to go to final effects. I mean, you've worked on some insane movies. Your list was endless. But <laughs> when you were asked to work on Avengers and Thor: The Dark World, like that must have blown your mind in a way. Because look how massive the MCU is now. Yeah, and at the time I didn't know. That, that was the strategy. There'd just been Iron Man 1 and 2, and I think Thor. But when I got to work on Avengers, I didn't know that it had this big 
they, they talked about that they had plans. But uh, yeah, it's crazy how far that that Avengers stretched out. And I think the first Avengers really holds up compared oh, to the others. Beautiful film. To this day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it was great just working with Joss Whedon. He was, uh, he was amazing to work with. His favorite thing to do was to go past my workstation and he say, let's see your background. And I had to show him my background because every day I had a different Scarlett Johansson background. <laughs> <laughs> and Joss knew it. So Joss would come by and goes, let's see the background. How's that? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. I've, I've seen Black Widow 150 times. <laughs> My friend, I, I think uh, when I, they did want everyone to go to Albuquerque to do some, um, to finish up the show. And I opted to stay in Los Angeles and had, had like a small crew here, satellite crew. But the rest of the guys went to Albuquerque and uh, working on the film set. And a friend of mine, uh, David Bajorquez, his name is, he went down to, had like a IC stand you know, shaved ice. Yeah. He was at the he's at the icy stand, and he said in the aluminum backing, it's a little kind of like a hot dog cellar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Had an aluminum back to this thing. In this aluminum back, which is like a mirror, he sees Black Widow walking towards him, <laughs> and she's still got all like the the, the blood makeup, like she yeah. just had kicked someone's ass. And she comes up to the stand. She goes like, "Hey." How's, how's it going? And he said, I just thought of you. And she did that. <laughs> I said, well, Dave, I said, you telling me the story, I kind of have lived it vicariously through you. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Imagine if you're like, do you want mine? Yeah. I'll buy you oh, another I would, four. I, I would, my tongue would be on the floor like, oh. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to, it would be useless. Useless. You forget every word of the English language. Yeah. Yeah. Be gone. <laughs> so as Tom was just saying the, the list of films you've worked on if we were to go for every film you've worked on we would be here for about 10 hours it is yeah. ridiculous yeah. so I wanted to ask because obviously you know the Avengers as you mentioned Oz the Great and Powerful mm-hmm. San Andreas the X-Men movies absolutely tons are there any particular projects that stand out to you whether it be good or bad yeah I mentioned Avengers again because that was like a year working on it. So much fun. Uh, so I really felt like, because sometimes you just get one sequence to work on. So some movies, I could tell you the part I worked on. Uh, it's usually the most expensive part because they want to plan that one out and, and know what they're going to do ahead of inviting you know, so many actors in. They know who's going to be in the shot exactly. They can see on the previous. But... Um, so Avengers is definitely up there, but War Horse was amazing just because I'd worked for Spielberg on Casper, and but we'd only worked via satellite. And working on War Horse, he wanted us to work in his, right next to his office in uh, Universal. So he was in his office, and we were down in this kind of little kind of uh, building, like a one-story building. And he would either come down or we'd go up to his office. Um, I, I loved his office just because we'd be in there uh, waiting. He had two rooms. His main office where he did all his phone calls and, that, and his conference room. 
So we'd be in a conference room and waiting for him to finish up his phone calls. And I, I'm looking around, this is my first day in his office, I'm looking around and I saw a sled, a bobsled on the wall with rosebud on it. I said, that is not the original rosebud from Citizen Kane, is it? And it was in a perspect case. It was Orson Welles' sled from Citizen Kane. Oh like, my God. What? What? Crazy, crazy, his office. I mean, it's just awesome, like, you know, I'll be sitting here, Spool will be there, we'll be sharing stuff on a laptop, and it's just, you're hoping that being that close, you kind of soak up some of that genius. But <laughs> 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 like sunbathing, sunbathing in genius. Let, let, me touch, let me touch you, Mr. Spielberg, I want some of this. <laughs> we did, we got photos with him, uh, I posted some on my social media. But um, we, I felt really bad asking him, because one of the other guys said, do you mind if we get a photo? And I was like, oh, he's going to say no. He's like, sure, sure. Actually, the light's much better over here. And he directed the whole thing. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. So Warhorse is up there. Um, I guess any shows that have been either really fun, like 300, uh, Rise of an Empire, wasn't a big blockbuster movie. But so much fun to work on just because of the banter in the room. We had a really good room. Mm. Um, Detective Pikachu was so much fun because I had such an awesome crew. And uh, that was, again, like maybe seven, eight months working on that show. Uh, and we got to work over at Legendary in Burbank. And, um, yeah, it just such a good crew and good rapport with the, uh, with the director. So... It was, a, it was the second time I worked with him. I worked with the same director on Goosebumps 1. So I already knew him at that stage. So, well, that's uh, Rob. Was it Rob? Rob Latimer? That was him really well. Blanking on the name. <laughs> Fun. Fun. So how come you didn't get to go on to do the other MCU movies then? Is it because it's all done by different people? It's, each one is its own separate thing. So... When we were working on Avengers, they were also in the, on the same studio lot, but a different building working on uh, Captain America. Ah. And so a couple of times I had to loan a couple of my guys to the Captain America crew. Like, All right, you can have him, but I want him back tomorrow. <laughs> and a funny thing, I went over to, I loaned this uh, artist, his name was David Block. I loaned him to Captain America and I, I was going over there to see if we can drag him back. We had some fire I needed him to put out. So I went over there and I'm wearing my Boba Fett hoodie, which I always wore. Hit the elevator button, ding, opens up. There's Joe Johnson and there's me with a Boba Fett hoodie. Like, saying, oh, hello, Mr. Director. Walks past. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at me, looks me up and down, you know, because he designed the Boba Fett suit. So, oh, okay, yeah. I didn't realize that then. Oh, Joe Johnson designed the Boba Fett suit, so it's funny I'm wearing his, his design, <laughs> and he didn't know that I was Boba Fett. You know, he didn't know at that time. This is a cheeky little like good lad, good, good lad, just <laughs> like a major cool. fanboy. He's, he's like a lumberjack. He's big guy, Joe Johnson. That's amazing. With all these films you've worked on, though, have yeah. you ever like watched it back and seen a scene that you didn't work on and go, "Mother, I would have loved to have done that. Why didn't I get that one?" Well, some you have to delegate. Some 
you can't take all the good scenes. I mean, you wouldn't be a good supervisor. So uh, one of the scenes I really wanted, I gave away, was a Hulk and Loki. Oh. But the guy, the guy who wanted it, he, I mean, he really, that's the only thing he wanted to do. He picked that one thing and he's a good animator. And so, okay, I, I'll let you have that. But I'm doing the Hulk punch for the, the jumbo. I'm always angry. You know? Yeah. So I took that and gave him the. So, but yeah, there's there's always scenes you want to do, but it's having the time to do them because usually they they have a they kind of break the sequence down into chunks, and you have a chunk to deliver by a certain date. So you have to you can't do everything yourself. Just thinking then, as you're as you talking about what you worked on Avengers, did I see on your Instagram that you did the, the group shot, the one in New York where it circles them all? Yeah. That yeah, was like that the was, best was, scene in the whole film. Of course, you took that one. That was, that, was, uh, that, was, that was cool because we had to find the dimensions of that bridge so we could know what kind of size track, camera track we could lay down for that orbit shot. And then I had to fit all the characters within that. And it was it was a fun shot, but just kept changing the order that they were in. So I had to redo it, redo it. And when you redo it, you're as you're going past each character, you're seeing another character in the background doing something like Iron Man coming down or whatever. Mm. So you have to redo all the all the characters every time, which was so there must have been about sixty five versions of that. Oh my god! Christ. It was like it was up in the sixties. You do a version number. And not all of those are versions you show. You know, you might work on version you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Show version nine. Oh no, okay, work on it again. Mm. But it ended up like sixty-five at the end of that. I think it was about five or six different changes in the order. And the one that they uh, they finaled was different when I saw the movie. Oh, different. Yeah, because I had I had Hulk up on some taxis. Those are two taxis, yellow cabs. Yeah. And he was up on top of that. And that wasn't. They started a group Hulk in the, in the final one and just wars into camera. So they kind of mix and matched pieces of what I'd done before, those five different versions. They've taken like pieces of, oh, let's take the Hulk roaring in from this bit. Yeah. That's incredible. It was, it was a fun, fun shot. Turned out good. And it, they show on everything, all the HBO. Commercials, they'll show that shot. <laughs> I know if that was me, I'd be like, I did that, I did that, I did yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, there'll be an HBO thing, and it was showing all of their movies. And like, I'll be nudging the wife and saying, Yeah, I did that shot. Oh, I did that like eight times, eight different so, shots. I know, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, another movie you worked on, which is heftily CGI, I imagine, is Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that... That, only, that only worked on a small portion. Uh, it was the race. Okay. The, the race. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, and the other part, part was, what's the other part worked on that? Oh, the fight. They had a fight. They changed it. They changed it between, originally it was Mecha Godzilla versus Ultraman, which is funny because I'm working on Ultraman now. But it's Mecha Godzilla versus Ultraman, and it swapped him out for Gundam, I think. For the final thing, Switched I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to think. It's been a while since I watched it. There's another Japanese kind of you know, uh, giant mecha, 
Um, but uh, it was fun doing the, the DeLorean car chase. That was a lot of fun. And, and working especially right. on the Akira bike. And uh, they had uh, the Blade Runner spinners in there. They had King Kong. There's there's a lot going on in those those shots. So the whole King Kong, uh, DeLorean, Akira bike bit was fun to do. Uh, to kind of do that part where the, the bike goes off and That's Hulk smashes through. Uh, Hulk, I mean, King Kong smashes yeah. through the, the tracks. And yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, I remember that bit. That must have been awesome. Just getting to play with all these different toys from different franchises. Yeah. It was that, that movie, especially because there were so many. It was such a weird mixture of all the different you know, IPs. That's amazing. Uh, Tom, did you have any more questions about movies-wise before we move on to the world's favourite bounty hunter? Um, I just going back to like back in the day, obviously before CGI became a thing. How everyone used models and uh, molds, and they had people in like suits and stuff. Like CGI has changed movies so much. Um, yeah. Too much. This is what was going to be my question. Like, do you think it's gone too far? Yeah, it's definitely gone too far. It got to the point where they were doing, they were making the, they were making a choice to go up uh, digital, just so that they had an out. And I'm like, well, it's, that's not how. To, you look at a shot. How how can I best do this? Make this shot. When you design a shot. Um, a lot of the post-vis and previous process, you're designing how they're going to practically do it. So, like in uh, Goosebumps 2, they were they had a small budget. They wanted to do these transformations of creatures, and so we came up with easy ways they could do it cheaply. But you're basically working out how they can use practical in, in a, a smart way. Mm. And then when they when they choose to do it all digital, just so that they have the chance to go back later and say, "I want to change stuff," it's it's like, oh, what's the point of us designing the best way to make this shot if you're gonna just nix all that and say, "I want it digital." Um, is it? I, I didn't understand why they did a digital job of the hut. When, when we're working on those scenes, I was like, but Jabba in Jedi was as real as any of the other ca- characters. Like, he didn't, he didn't question Jabba. He, he wasn't like, you know, some puppets aren't um, convincing. There was that uh, polecat or uh, meerkat in Mandalorian that didn't look real. It was a puppet. There was a part with uh, Cara Dune and that little meerkat thing. I think another one. Not, not the best puppetry. I didn't convince me, but Jabba in Return of the Jedi, he was real, as real as Luke, as Leia. So I didn't understand why they went the digital route. Was it George was, he was in love with digital for the, purely for the reason that you can recycle. So, if you do an animation of a stat battle droid standing up, you have a thousand stat battle droids standing up with just one piece of animation. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah. When we did, uh, when we worked on putting the creatures in, I couldn't understand why 
the creature's skin wasn't working with the skeleton. Um, and, that's, and then I found out later that they'd taken the brachiosaur from Jurassic Park, slapped a new skin on it, and hey presto, the brachiosaur is now Ronto. But the, <laughs> yeah, the scurriers, the scurriers that run out of the way of the, the, the land speeder, yeah. are raptors, velociraptors. That has blown my mind. <laughs> the the stormtrooper on the Dubaks is actually uh, Robert Patrick, the T2 Terminator, the silver yeah. one. That's him, as the just colored black with white armor on the top of him. What? <laughs> yeah. It's it's, George was obsessed with this recycling. The only one that, only things that were brand new were the Dubaks, and they worked fine. But I remember whenever I moved the Ronto's head back, the chest kind of bulged out. And it's because they had put the pivot points for the neck really far back. So you can imagine a small movement at the back makes a big movement in the front. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved the, moved his head back like that, all the chest was like heaving and going up and down. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, and back in that, this is like 1995, uh, uh, I was working on that. And I didn't know anything about um, rigging, which is the, the placing of the skeleton or the skeleton underneath the geometry. I didn't know anything about that at that time. Uh, I do now. But um, there's so many examples where I wish I could go back in time and fix things that were set up wrongly. Uh, oh well. I'm not gonna, I, I think I think they've messed with Star Wars enough. I, I'd rather leave just leave it. Yeah, let's leave it alone. <laughs> so obviously, as we mentioned earlier, when you worked for ILM, you got to work on Star Wars, as we've said. But you didn't just get to animate; you got to play Boba Fett, as you've mentioned. How on earth did that come about? Actually, those two things are unrelated. Like. When I, when I got given, they said they had two animator positions for New Hope. And I didn't think that I was, because I was new to Ireland, I didn't think I was still the hope in hell. Um, and then it reduced to one because John Knoll said, I'm going to take all the spaceships. So we just need one guy for doing creatures. I didn't think I was going to get picked. Um, but I did. And that all worked out. But the Boba Fett blue screen shoot happened while I was working on Casper. Oh. So this was, it happened in December of 94. It's funny because it's a document 94, shot in 94. Uh, that happened seven months before I got assigned the creature animator. So those two things, are, they might be related, but they didn't come at the same time. I was working on Casper and got to do the Boba Fett shoot and uh, later on with the creatures. But um, how did I end up in a suit? Yeah. Okay. Well, got some juicy tea coming here. I, I, the archives are off limits to ILM employees. You'd think that they were, you know, that we'd have access, but no, 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 not allowed in the archives. And the archives are over in the ranch. 
So ILM's in San Rafael, and Lucas Ranch is way off. It's, it's like a good hour drive to get to Lucas Ranch from ILM. So if you're going for lunchtime, that's a long lunch. You're going to be gone three hours. Um, it was off limits. And it just so happened that a guy I met in London while I was working on commercials just happened to be working there as well. And we met each other and I'm like, what the hell? I just saw you six months ago in England. Went, oh yeah, I work here. Yeah, I know everybody. I know the guy who runs the archives. You're a big Boba Fett fan, right? I can get you in the archives. I went, oh my God, I, I just want to touch a, a piece of armor, you know, that, that'd be enough. So he arranged it. I went along to the archives with him. Um, it was like, it was like a dream come true. It was, I got to sit in the land speeder. I got to totally manhandle one of the Boba Fett suits. I got to put the Indiana Jones jacket on and a hat. Uh, I got to like, you know, pick up all these and touch all these things that were like, you know, sacred. They're like Star Wars props, you know, the thermal detonator. <laughs> It was it was heaven, heaven. So anyway, so that happened. But in that happening, the guy who runs the archives, Don Bees, knew I was a huge Overfet fan. So fast forward uh, a few like four months, suddenly they put an email out to all of ILM saying we need volunteers to be stormtroopers for this summit they're arranging at the ranch. And so, you know, everyone responded, you know, I want to be a <laughs> Not just me, like me and 125 other people. <laughs> so, so, yes, please, I beg you, can I, can I please do it? So the response was so huge, they thought, oh, if we have this much volunteers, we can do something a bit more, a bit bigger than we were intending. They originally were intending to show um, the newly cut, um, trailers for the re-releases of the three movies mm. to kind of show it to they're going to do another theatrical release of the originals to bring in this new generation of fan that the children of the fans that were now fans um and they were going to have at the end of the trailers you know and all, in the audience were all the uh, pub uh, all the um, license holders like dark horse comics or kenner toys or uh, Bantam Books or whoever it might be, all they, those guys were in the audience. They get to see the trailers, get all juiced up. <laughs> and then all these stormtroopers came, were meant to come down, like, oh my God, I'm a stormtroopers, like real stormtroopers. And then Darth Vader, you hear him coming in. Oh, no, I've got my voice maker. Darth Vader comes in, uh, we would be honored if you would join us. And, and then they have cocktails. So the cocktails, now they had 125 volunteers. They thought, oh, instead of just doing cocktails, just a boring cocktail bar, how about we rebuild the Cantina Mos Eisley bar and have tables and aliens and the band playing and someone was checking IDs on the, the door and the droids there and the speeder parked there and and you know just populate this cantina bar so 
he said, uh, he said, I'm sorry, he goes, we haven't got a stormtrooper suit for you. I'm like, oh. He goes, but there's another character I'm sure you'll be interested in. I'm like, oh my God, really? And he said, don't, don't get too excited. He goes, I know, I know what you're thinking, but don't get too excited because if you don't fit the flight suit, if you don't happen to be the right proportions to Jeremy, because Jeremy just happened to fit the suit. That's how he got the part. He just happened to be the right body proportions for the suit. Come along one lunchtime. I went the very next lunchtime. <laughs> one lunchtime and try the suit on. So I was like, oh my God, I want to try the suit on tomorrow. So I went there and that zipper going up was just like the Cinderella <laughs> slipper. Cinderella having that slipper, that glass slipper being put on. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Kleenex, give me Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, like, uh, uh, I, I, I thought I'd, I thought just touching the armor was enough. Now I was wet. They decided, oh, well, while you're here, we just put everything on to make sure we have all the pieces. Oh, okay. And it was the Iron Man being suited up. Yeah. Uh, and they took Polaroids from the front side so they had something to show the costumer for the event so they knew they could get all the pieces right so not put spats on your wrists or something no, spats going on your on your ankles you know um so that's how i got to jump jump into the suit and do this summit and they said okay you've got to pretend to be Boba Fett for four hours can you do that I'm like oh i'm sure i could do that so for four hours i was in the suit they were like yeah i've got to have a break no 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 they, they forced me to have a break. Uh, one time, they forced me to have a break, and I'm sitting there. I, I drink water. I actually drink water. I'm sitting there with a helmet on on my lap, waiting to go back in, looking like a, a school kid, you know. And they're like, "Okay, you can go back in." Okay, went back in. Uh, did that summit, which was like heaven. It was like if you can imagine wearing the real suit in the cantina bar. With aliens all reacting to you, with humans drinking, it was the closest. It's like a VR experience, except you could touch everything, and it was real. Oh. So that, out of all the times, was the best experience. Like it, better than the blue screen shoot, because there was actually you know you gave a look to the aliens, and they were, oh. they move away, and everyone everyone with us was down. They, they were like perfect everyone was in character it was surreal it was so good that they said would you mind doing a second one you know, okay i'll do a second one when's that going to be like on oh, a month's time sure sign me up so in another four hours walking around with a blaster in boba fair loving it uh, so if you go forward to like november of that year this was like you know summer to the end of the year, suddenly they needed somebody who fit the suit. Like, oh, we have someone, you know. He works works here. He works for you guys. So that's how that's how it got to be in the movies. I just happened to fit the suit, same as Jeremy did, and be on that's... hand and worked at ILM. So they were like, Would you do it? And they said, I would do it. They said, Well, first you've got to get um, approval from your production. So I had to go to Casper. And I was really ordering Casper's good books because I was the supervising animator and they were 
we finished Casper before any other character actually we finished on shots with the ghostly trio or the woman uh, in it when she becomes a ghost and the father uh, Bill Bill Pullman um, but I was in the good book so they're like yeah we'll even pay you for the day so I went and did the blue screen shoot it was the morning was the walk on and the afternoon was the check and walk off and uh, yeah December 6 1994 I love that you've got that date ingrained in your mind it's amazing <laughs> Obviously, beyond being in the film, this character has opened up so many opportunities to you. Like, beyond what that story then, I didn't even know about that. It's like, I've seen new pictures of you at conventions with Jeremy Bullock and with Daniel Logan, with other people that have portrayed the character. Yeah. But also, you got to play him in a project called No Disintegration? Yeah, that was... Uh, I was talking to the... I got really good friends with the guy who um, founded the Boat Fett Fan Club. His name's Aaron Proctor. And we've been friends ever since he discovered me in like 96 or something like that. When I was working at Disney, he uh, contacted me and uh, we became friends at that stage. So fast forward 20 years, it's, um, it's 2016 and we're having drinks together. And he said, I had this idea. There's this flash animated show that runs on the Boba Fett fan club website. And this guy is a really funny writer. He's an Australian guy. And he writes these little kind of things. And he did flash animation to, to them. And it's Boba Fett kind of in a ship. And they're kind of funny. But I was thinking of doing like a live action version. And I said, okay, you, so you want me to jump in the suit? And he said, yeah. So, okay, let's, let's do it. So I thought there'd be like maybe six or seven of them. And uh, end up we did 22 episodes for the, the whole season. And um, this went on over maybe two years, space of two years. They released one a month. So 22 months it went for. So and, cool. um, yeah, it was, it was just another excuse to play Boba Fett again. So yeah, so I guess I've played Boba Fett 23 times on 23 projects. You look at it that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. It's got the, the idea of the you getting thing... a phone call. Sorry. Sorry? I was just going to say, I had this thought in my head. It's like, Mark, we need you to suit up. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Margarita at the time. It was like yeah. a very easy decision. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, to answer your question about the, uh, about, you know, a lot, I never thought that um, I would make friends of my heroes because my heroes are, you know, the guys on the original trilogy. And so Jeremy Bullock is my hero, Dickie Beer, John Morton, all those guys are just like, now they're friends of mine. Now we, we let's get, get email or uh, get a phone call from Daniel, he's in a chatty movie. Um, I never foresaw that, and that is pretty amazing, just being friends with like the, the Cantina crew. Um, what you're all Brits. So I haven't seen them for a while since COVID, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. I, think I get emails from, from like, you know, uh, I got an email this morning from, uh, I'm blanking on the name, we put the camera on me and I forget everyone's name, <laughs> from, I'll pull it up, where is it? 
Who would I get an email from? Deleted it. <laughs> it meant so much. <laughs> well, it, he always says me like jokes. Oh, there he is. Nick Joseph. That's it. Nick Joseph. He was the guy that presented Princess Leia the medals. Oh. Did you ask him where Chewbacca's was? Because that's the first thing I would have asked him. I just gave him a punch. <laughs> <laughs> you, missed, you missed out, dude. You missed it. So before we wrap up, I did just want to briefly mention, obviously, when I was doing my original research, this interview, when I originally emailed you, it was easy, pop in your name, website, IMDb, etc. Now, if you put your name into Google, all you get back is former Boba Fett actor, furious at Disney. Yeah. No, <laughs> outraged. Outraged at Disney. Yeah. I'm, I'm turning over tables and <laughs> <lighting> fires. <laughs> Everything so, in the press is true because if it's in print, then it's true. Of course, it's true. Yeah. But were you as angry as they made out that you were? I was less, not so much angry, more sad. It and is. And the, the reason being that even if it doesn't happen, even if they don't, even if they do decide to put it on, they've made it taboo from this point onwards. They've made kind of Slave One a taboo name kind of you know unofficially but yet that's still the case people kind of like from now from this point onwards when everyone mentions slave one they're going to think about this ridiculousness that disney have caused and so i was sad that this as a fan it was something you know i've i've loved for 40 years mm. and being a boba fett fan especially and and having become boba fett in a way you're even more associated with that ship, you know, just from, from jumping in a suit and doing those blue screen shoots, I'm forever going to be associated with Slave One. So I was just sad that yet, that yet again, they've, they've taken something I loved and they've made it taboo or they've given it some kind of uh, connection to not a galaxy far, far away, but Earth. You know, it's like all their all their worries are earthbound worries, you know. And you know, forget that this is a fantasy film about another galaxy. Like, like why are you even associating it with anything to do with this planet or this galaxy? It's not even this galaxy. Well, no. They did so, the same thing. They tried to get rid of the name Slave Leia as well. It's Leia and she was a slave. But yeah, they put... Princess Leia, Jabba's prisoner. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> like, I when I when I got my car and I got my personalized plates, I did try to get slave one. And in it, you have to put context. So in the context, I put the this is the name of Boba Fett's spaceship. And they didn't allow it. And I, I get it, I get it, because if people will see it, they kind of just read the slave bit and not, not even see the one maybe. But that's the thing, is the one is the all... That changes everything. Because if you ask somebody who knows Star Wars what Slave One is, they'll say, oh, it's Boba Fett's ship. If you ask somebody who doesn't know Star Wars, which is everyone else, you either do or you don't. So if you do know Star Wars, you're going to say it's Boba Fett's ship. If you don't, you're going to be Slave One. I don't know. I know what a slave is. 
But slave one, that could be anything. Mm. So the one, the one is not, not slave space one, it's slave one or one thing. So I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm not happy. Not happy. And I, I guess they got the message. <laughs> the press certainly I didn't, did. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that my, uh, my Twitters were going to, especially on a, on a, on a account that Twitter don't recognize as being verified. So this, this happened like a month after Twitter said, we don't believe you are who you say you are. <laughs> okay. And so I didn't hold much weight in my poking fun at Disney. And then suddenly, you know, I get a phone call saying that you're in Newsweek or something in the UK or you're on Google or you're on the Hollywood Reporter. You know, I was on in everywhere. Uh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, wow! I didn't realize—I you know, didn't realize that it, my voice carried that far. Uh, so it was a surprise, and uh, and I'm glad that they—I'm glad they do know. I'm glad that Disney do know because it—they'd be stupid to think that any other there'd be any other circumstance to their doing this, you know, and. A lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, but it's just it's just this one Lego set." You know, they did it with all the Lego sets. Well, next time I see Slave One on some merchandise, then I'll withtrack, withdraw my dispute. But I, I can't see that being a fact. I, I'm sure from this point onwards, that Slave One is going to be a taboo thing, and I'm upset about it. I can't remember what they named it now. I know they changed the name, but I can't think. Boba Fett Starship. Both, it's just Boba Fett Starship, isn't it? Yeah. Like, but, uh, uh, all the comment sections and everything I read completely agreed with you. Though. So it's not just you; it's every Star Wars fan seems to be pissed yeah, about it. And, and I'm glad. I'm glad that I that that was the case. I mean, that not everyone was on my side. I did get a lot of hate from that. Uh, really? Everything you, everything you say on Twitter, well, you, get, yeah, you sure. get hate. You get hate. You get hate for just being involved on the special editions. Some people hate me for it. But you ruined. You ruined. Star Wars. I just did what George told me, and <laughs> so yeah, you are responsible. What we you gonna say? No, George, I'm not doing it. Okay, we'll get someone else to do it then. Yeah, right. people on Twitter in the future are gonna be livid about this. So no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's Twitter? I don't know, but they're gonna be pissed in about twenty years. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be pissed at this unverified <laughs> somebody who claims to be Boba Fett. Oh. I don't know. It was. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm surprised that that reaction happened. I, it was quite amazing because I remember scrolling through Facebook and seeing all the articles. I was like, I know him. I'm going to talk to him soon. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the timing of this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is weird. Tom, have you got any more questions before we wrap up? Yeah, one wise one ask, which is, did you ever think that back in the day when you're making Techni Tea commercials, did you ever think that life would escalate into what it's become? No, I I literally thought the the one of the it was a, it was a two guys that ran the company. The company name was Wyatt Catania. It was Ron Wyatt and Tony Catania. Tony Catania was the the artist. Ron Wyatt was the businessman. And Tony Catania was just like a god, you know. He was the guy that designed Tony the Tiger from Frosties and stuff like that. And like, and, and, and all the things that when I grew up, I remember like. The Typhoon Gnu and 
all these commercials <laughs> from my childhood that I loved, he dumped. And I was like, oh my God. He left, he retired, and Ron Wyatt was kind of grooming me to take the company over. Um, he was taking me on all the business trips to like Portugal to, to clients and stuff like that. And I really thought that I was going to be running my own studio, animation studio, making commercials. And I was happy with that. And so when that whole redundancy dropped, it took me by surprise. And um, I really thought, oh, my, I had my whole life mapped out at that stage. And yeah. All of it just got chopped. And I thought, what am I going to do now? And uh, I, I could never have foreseen my friend having drinks with the ILM crew and in the process getting me a, a job and a whole new career. Never. It's like I said, it's one of those small forks in the road. Yeah. And, That's incredible. Uh, yeah. It, all of them, like even the whole Boba Fett story, it just happened that I bumped into someone that I'd met in England that knew Don Bees and yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Weird. Amazing. Weird. Dreams do come true. I, I had two dreams as a kid. I always wanted to be Boba Fett and I always wanted to animate Mickey and Donald and I got to do that on that Magic show. So, and not true. only did that happen, that um, I worked on the, the, as I said, the finale with the tornado. And this is when Mickey comes, he, he'd left, Donald to mess things up, and he comes back at the end. And it was Roy Disney, this is Walt Disney's nephew. Roy Disney uh, came up to me and said, this is the uh, first time I've seen Mickey Mouse in 3D. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, they've attempted Mickey Mouse in the past, but it always looked like a Mickey Mouse toy that was alive. But your animation was Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, can, oh. I, get that in, can I get that in writing? <laughs> yeah. and, what uh, praise. That is beautiful. And he, never, he didn't give me a writing, but the producer did. So I haven't the producer saying it. It was the first time he'd seen it, but it was really a Roy Disney comment. That's you know, amazing. half the time I wish I had cameras for eyes just to take <laughs> snapshots of the weirdness that happens in my life. So I can imagine weird, too, wonderful things. So. That's incredible. I've been very fortuitous, put it that way. Right. Mark, before we get out of here, if you've got time, we do like to play a quick little game with our guests. Okay. We literally call it the quick fire round. We ask five questions and you answer uh -oh. them as quick as you can. Uh oh, I always not suck at these. Don't worry, <laughs> it's it's pretty simple. For for instance, your first question will be, "What is your go-to karaoke song?" Go-to karaoke song. I've got so many. Oh, great! Uh, I would say uh, "Faith" by George Michael. Oh, what a what choice! A tune. <laughs> um, your I favorite pizza? Pretty good one. Pretty good George Michael impersonation. Go I want on. to hear that now. Your favorite pizza topping. Pizza topping. I mean, aside from cheese, uh, I don't. I do love. Um, I do love the ones that are kind of the deluxe ones, or where they put tons of meat on as well. Yes, yes, yes. Any, any of the the beefy ones. Um, that's my vote. The kids will go for margaritas and pepperoni, but give me the one with everything on sausage on there, everything. 
Great choice. What is the best impression you can do? The best impression? Yeah. I don't know. I could do an Alec Guinness. Uh, <laughs> or I could draw, could draw uh, Sean Connery. Maybe. What's, that, what's that line from uh, out Highlander? You have the manners of a golden smell like a dung heap. <laughs> oh, I love that. Who would play you in the life of your in the movie of your life, Rob? It'd be the clone son of Benicio del Toro, and uh, and what's his name? Um, Titanic. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> if you take those two faces and put them together, you kind of get my face. <laughs> I'm a mixture. I'm a hybrid. Either that, or you take Alec Guinness and you and McGregor, put them together, you can't get me in the middle. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to young Master Austin? Every what my mother told me, and that's to choose a career that you love doing. Incredible. Incredible. Because that, above all the other advice I got as a kid, kind of has rung true for all these, you know, 27 years I've been doing this animation or movies or both. So Incredible. yeah, I, I definitely say, you know, cause it's a third of your life, um, you know, choose wisely, choose wisely. Young Luke. <laughs> Mark, any plugs, uh, social medias, websites, anything you want people to check yes. out? Yes. Yes. No one visits my YouTube channel. And okay. It's very easy. It's Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E, a New Hope Special Edition. And I have all my like my paintings or drawings on there, but time-lapsed from like a blank canvas to finished thing. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So like the, the do-back car that I wanted to reproduce, you can see it from blank canvas all the way to the final thing in about seven minutes. That's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. And you can even see the Docky Bay 94 footage that I found. There's um, footage I found from somebody who just happened to be uh, on that um, the soundstage. So I kind of, but what they've done is I'd fa- they'd sent it to me and they compressed it to sped everything up. So I had to stretch everything back out to be like normal speed. But I put that on my YouTube channel as well. That's nice. amazing. That must have been a weird blast in the past as well to see that again. It, well, the thing is that they had a photographer there in the morning and he took a whole, I don't know how many rolls of film and I only put given one print and I've managed since, since then to find like maybe four other prints. But I know there's a whole roll of film from that shoot and George had said to him not to bother with the afternoon shoot. Um, I wish they'd done the afternoon shoot because that was the, the beefier of the two shots mm. where you had to kind of, you know, make sure everyone was gone and then go off. But, uh, yeah, I wish, uh, I, hopefully someone sees this that works in the archives and it's like, oh, we can we can send those to that guy. Amazing. Send them to me. I must I'll look em- after them. I must employ everyone as well to make sure they go check out your Instagram because if you love film and history and behind the scenes and stuff your instagram is amazing <laughs> it's it's pretty extensive 
I, I just started posting some behind the scenes and they got the biggest response of people. Oh, I love I love seeing this. I, I love seeing the stuff that happened behind the camera. I'm like, well, I've got a wealth of it. I'll, I'll continue sharing it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty extensive so far. But, so basically, Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E, everywhere. Yeah. Beautiful. Mark, well, thank you. Let's, oh, sorry. No, Carol. The Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E, I, I'd have to sign, um, you know, a picture of Boba Fett, and it'd been signed by Jeremy, it'd been signed by Dickie Beard, it'd been John Moore, by Jason Wingreen. And they want my signature on there. And it got to the point where a lot of people were asking, oh, can you put Boba Fett? But after that, a New Hope Special Edition. And it's like, oh, God. Austin, Boba Fett, a New Hope <laughs> Special Edition. And can you draw a little helmet? Okay, draw a little helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it, and then they'd, be, uh, they'd give me a stack and I'd be like, oh my God. And so I, I said, in the end, I was like, can I just abbreviate this? So first of all, I did uh, the A.N.H.S.D. Much easier. And then I lost the dots even. So it's kind of involved. But it, dis- it distinguishes, in, distinguishes me from the other mobile facts. You know oh, which one, you know which one I mean. Makes sense. Mark, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. I really enjoyed this. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Until the it. next time, right? Until yeah, the definitely. 150,000% okay. yes. We've got more <laughs> movies to talk about. I was yeah. going to say, we barely scratched the surface of your yeah. career. Yeah. So, but, but no, no, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. We've loved it. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you very Take much, care, my bro. friend. See you later. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. I just I, I loved that conversation so damn much. It was incredible. And all the like if you watch the YouTube, he will show you how he did things with the toys he has and his background is absolutely spectacular. I was gonna say the this, this is the one where you definitely need to check out the YouTube because like I say, he shows like figures to demonstrate some of the things he's doing. And the one thing I will say for myself, if you watch the YouTube, is I do apologize. I didn't expect it to get dark so early. <laughs> <laughs> so you could just see the daylight diminish in my camera because I didn't turn the light on. And what's even funnier is you get closer and closer to the camera as well. Yeah, so you can see me in the screen like, light. Yeah. Yeah, you're so close. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, Mark, thank you so much. We really, really, really enjoyed it. Like it was just so much fun. And we look forward to doing it again. Hopefully we'll have a part two. Definitely. Um, where we can go into other movies that you've worked on um, because we literally scratched the surface. So um, I was going to say, uh, we barely touched the surface. The man's done that much stuff. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as we did recording it. Mark, thank you so much again. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Mr. Stevens. Yes, sir. It's audience participation time. It's time to participate in Jamie's audience participation challenge. What has he asked you to do this week? Oh, my brothers. So this week, I said to you, all the best superheroes have catchphrases. My spidey senses are tingling, said Spider-Man. It's clobbering time, said the thing. So I simply ask you, what would your catchphrase be if you were a superhero? I love that you call him Spidey-Man. <laughs> Did I say Spidey-Man? He said Spidey-Man, yeah. That was <laughs> phenomenal. 
This is Tim, brother. Um, what would my catchphrase be? Oh, for fuck's sake, probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mine would probably be some random ass shit. Um, I don't know. Turn the turnips thus. <laughs> so I struggle to think of this, but as you keep mocking me for it, I'm just going to say, it's glorious. There you go. Yeah, that literally is with the with the breathing as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's oh. glorious. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, it's fucking glorious, isn't it? Mm. We had some absolutely wonderful answers, and so many of them. I could only obviously only pick so many. Tom Bruno says, "More powerful than a locomotion," <laughs> which he is. He is a beast. Kenny Aldrich says, we have a wank together or we fight, and I'm all out of the <laughs> This one really made me laugh. It's quite long, but it really made me laugh. Andy Joinson says, don't kill me. I just need to get my camera phone ready to post this on the internet later. I am social media justice man. I understand that none of this has a ring to it, but it's 2021, so you can't mock me or I'll set the social media world on you. Um, nice. Update, I've just learned this superhero and catchphrase may have been taken by anybody filming themselves giving a sandwich to a homeless person. Yeah, why do people love doing that? Sandwich? I don't know. <laughs> Matt Rose says, eh, I'll do it later. Procrastination man to the rescue at some point, maybe. <laughs> Gemma Williams says, mine would be either, oh, not again, or if I wait here, it'll probably blow over. Nice. <laughs> a lot of these answers are people just can't be bothered it's quite brilliant it's very British yeah Phil Jolly says from the clutches of evil and tyranny I bring you salvation and cheese <laughs> yes I'd love cheese brie please for me Jason Rutherford says well shit on a cornflake <laughs> my god that cornflake would disappear I oh, know right Colette Bro don't make me hangry you wouldn't like me when I'm hangry <laughs> <laughs> Dave Effrington this looks like a job for someone else anyone else please don't ask me to help <laughs> that's my favourite <laughs> phenomenal absolutely phenomenal John Overbury says I just rock up and be like oi pack it in I'm dad man dad man <laughs> I am the father Karina Liana says, I knew we shouldn't have put my pants over my tights. I look like a right dickhead. <laughs> Dan Henley, first guy to die, loses. That's <laughs> up there as well. <laughs> Matt Smith, ugh, can't the world save itself? If only, right? Amy McMunnan, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what it means, but it really made me laugh. <laughs> so good. Terry Sullivan, if you'd stop breaking out of jail, you'd never see me again. Fair. What? <laughs> Deborah Albury, someone has to do it. It might as well be me. Nice. And last but not least, he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Williams. Okay, so now I've had some time to think about it. I've come up with a few. Since I'm in the restaurant industry, the first catchphrase I thought of is corner. Because basically, anytime I fly away, I yell corner. The next one I thought of is, that'll be $75. (laughs) (laughs) Another one I thought of is, in pursuit of truth, justice, and low-cost healthcare. And the last one, and one that keeps popping in my brain, is release the awesomeness. 
Oh, I love that. Absolutely delightful. But yes, very British because most of them are like, yeah. <laughs> the one that was like the first one to die losers, which I fucking loved, reminded me <laughs> of Mystery Men. You know, the film Mystery Men. Yes. With and stuff, where it's like, we are first. Everyone else are a second or lower. Oh, we are number one even. We are number one. Everybody else is two or lower. So like that. Oh, I love that. That made me laugh quite a lot. And I had uh, so many. I had to whittle that down. I almost had over 100 responses to that. Oh, thank you so much, guys. It's graciously appreciated. If you enjoy Jamie's participation challenges, Callum Street, Jim's Tom's Journal, and the interviews that we deliver on a weekly basis to the Chronicles of Podcast, you might appreciate the previous two editions that we've had with... Um, Timothy Rose and John Briggs. And you might appreciate our old show, USAC Chronicles. Yes, we are bringing the USAC Chronicles interviews to the Chronicles of Podcast uh, every Wednesday for the, via, via a way back Wednesday, hashtag WBW. So keep your eye out for those. But for now, go back to USAC Chronicles and go check out our previous 37 editions there as well with wonderful, wonderful people. If you want to go back even further, even further, you can go back to the USAC Superhero Bar Fight. We interviewed a fair amount of people on that as well. We, we chopped and changed every now and again because obviously we were starting out. So there's quite a few interviews on those as well you can go back and check out. So go back, check out Yusuf Superhero Bar Fight as well, our old shows. Just go and listen to all our old stuff because, you know, we did a good job, I think. Don't you think? I think we did. Yeah, I think we did all right. It didn't do too bad. But then you can just go to our YouTube. You can just go to our YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast and go watch our interviews on there because... Like I said, way back Wednesday, interviews are going on there. Our interviews from here are going on there too. For now, just for now, go to the USUC network. Go to the USUC podcasting network on YouTube and go check out all our interviews on there as well, if you want to. They're on there, so enjoy. Feast your eyes. Feast your eyes. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Chronicles of Podcast. Please do. Please hit that subscribe button and hit the like. Yeah. Go on to the Twitter and follow us at TCO Pod. Go follow us on Insta at the TCO Pod and go follow us on the TikTok at TCO Pod. Come follow us on Podbean at TCO Pod as well. Come follow us. Just, just hit that subscribe button. Go to Spotify, the Chronicles of Podcast, all as one word, and hit that follow. It'd be graciously appreciated if you wouldn't mind. That'd be glorious. We'd really, really appreciate your time, your ears, and everything else. The Chronicles of Podcast. Allow us into your ears, share us, download us, review us, rate us, tell every single one of your friends about us all of them not just one all of them tell the world just tell everybody leave us a review if you really want to but most importantly wear us like a right sock <laughs> just the right one just the right one just the right one piggybacking what you said then with the rating review yes please please people leave us rating and reviews that is how we can get seen by other people and we can spread the good word of TCO Pod so please please leave us that rating yeah. and review that would be absolutely amazing if you, if you wouldn't mind just sparing a couple of seconds of your day that would be graciously appreciated want to give a huge massive big motherfucking shout out to Matt Roberts for our wonderful music that he has provided with us with our theme song and with all the jingles Matt we appreciate you we love you we adore you Please go check out Matt Roberts while, you, uh, while you're there. Spot subscribe to us. Go follow him as well. Go give him some love. He would really appreciate it. At Matt Roberts Music. Um, so, yeah. Jamie, another, another glorious week. This has been another glorious episode with another glorious guest. Absolutely. Mark, thank you so much again. We really, really appreciate your time. 
we really enjoyed talking to you and you're just an absolute legend of the highest order indeed mark you absolute hero thank you so much for taking out your time for us guys as for this week i think we're going to see you next week goodbye everybody bye